welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. I am Emily Soderback. Grab his boat. It's me, Matt Lynch. Hi. And very special episode. We haven't had a very special episode like this in quite a long time. We have a freaking guest today. Oh, it's been almost a year since we had. It's more 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 than a year since we had a guest. One last. Mr. William Goss, I believe, yeah. was our last guest, last guest, who flew in from Paris, I believe, or uh-huh. wherever he lives. From wherever he's from. Paris. Uh, probably Paris. I'm assuming. Uh, but today uh, we have a way better guest than William Goss. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> like it. Uh, today we're welcoming the legend, Vern. Say hello, Vern. Hello. There he is. That was great. That's what his voice sounds like. All right. Happy to be back. Excellent <laughs> guest spot, everybody. We'll see you next time. We just wanted him to say hello. <laughs> we'll send him on his way. And we have Vern on the show because... For a very good reason. We oh. have uh, a theme to all of these movies that we're going to be talking about. That seems weird for us. I know. Isn't that weird? But, I mean, he is the expert on the theme. Mm-hmm. He's a literal expert. On this, we have an actual literal literal expert he on this show. Literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> this is all literal. We're not being figurative about any of this. Hundred percent literal. How mad would you have been if, while you were writing that book, you found out that some other guy was doing the same thing? <laughs> and he was, and he was mad. like twenty pages ahead of you. Yeah. And you had to, you guys had to like space race it to <laughs> whoever finished the book first. <laughs> the Dante's Peak and Volcano of uh, Steven Seagal. Sadly, book. his book exploded on the on liftoff. Oh no! And the other one was fake. Tragically killed. <laughs> Shouldn't have rushed it. So yeah, we're gonna talk about three Steven Seagal movies, uh, because we have to. Because why not? Because why not? Originally. We we wanted to do when we wanted to do when we did that buddy cop episode a few episodes back. Uh, Travis wanted to do the Glimmer Man, and I said, "Well, we could do the Glimmer Man, or we could do a Seagal and see if Vern wants to come join us." Uh, so, what are our three and movies I, that I you picked to. today? Well, I was I, w- I was assigned to the Glimmer. You were Man. assigned the Glimmer Man. That is true. And then I added Hard to Kill mm-hmm. and Belly of the Beast. Woof. Yeah. Diabolical. Oh, no. Diabolical work. Vern, did you know um, that I I realized that I had not seen any Steven Seagal oh, movies wow. before this? <laughs> before a single, prepping, a single one. I maybe where he's not like a main guy, but I looked on Letterboxd and it was zero percent. Executive decision. Did you ever see that? Uh uh-uh. uh. Fantastic. And. Uh, well, yeah, because isn't that the one with Kurt Russell? Yeah. yeah. So that's it's been the on, that's that's been the on my list. That's the one where Steven Seagal, spoiler alert, famously dies. Don't spoil that part. Whoa. We covered it on the show. Yeah, I know, I've never seen it. I seen literally it. just told you I've never <laughs> seen it. Jesus I don't Christ. care. Right now. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've never seen any Steven Seagal movies, and so I didn't even really... All I knew of him was just that he was like a tough guy action dude. Hmm. Uh, I think he's shitty in real life. Uh-huh. And uh, it's kind of kind of like corny stuff. So if you were to <laughs> if you were to like narrow down into a couple of sentences, like what Steven Seagal's like shtick is, like what is his deal? <laughs> uh, well, like his like his screen persona. I guess, yeah. Mean? Like what makes him so so cool? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in his in his early movies, like Hard to Kill. Uh, his whole thing is he almost always is playing an, a guy who used to be in the CIA or the special ops of some kind. Yeah. Uh, and often he's a cop now, but not always. And he, uh, s- 
a lot of times he's very some of these he's very catholic but also he's buddhist at the same time (laughs) (laughs) yeah there was a lot of spirituality Um, themes i found he's he's very into a lot of time like one of the ones we're discussing he's like i was raised in the orient he's claimed i loved when he said that (laughs) that was great (laughs) (laughs) and in in real life he moved to japan and he because of who he was married to he started he kind of took over this this uh, martial arts school and he he actually was like a big deal martial arts instructor yeah and so he's very big on like adopting different cultures starting with japan but then kind of spreading out to other cultures as he progresses through his filmography (laughs) and he (laughs) says he's he's always like the enlightened white guy who's very into other cultures and knows all this wisdom from from other cultures he also has so many good one-liners too (laughs) funny guy that steven seagal (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Well, just like in the Glimmer Man, he's a lot funnier than he than his usual persona. Oh, okay. That's like pretty different from he's, like his. And usual I started with Glimmer Man too. He's, he's like straight up funny in the Glimmer Man. And I don't know if I would say. Well, that. I mean, he's the, he's attempt like that's the yeah. point of his character. He's like, and now it's time for another funny joke from me. You know, that sort of thing. You just had some powdered deer penis skin in every way, and but that's not he, that's the <laughs> thing that he did rarely. Like, oh. He was always very and, serious. And his his primary martial arts martial art is Aikido, which is like kind of designed to be a defensive martial art for small people but he's obviously very large yeah. and so it's kind of like a different take on it where he's just fucking up people fucking people up very quickly and bluntly <laughs> and that what in the early movies when he was when he was more limber and ambulatory and good, yeah <laughs> he at the time it was kind of like a novel type of screen martial arts because it was so it seems so like quick and rough and like just kind of there's some cool ones where he's just beating the hell out of people in alleys and like yeah. it, it was like a new approach to that kind of right. thing. And then the persona was just like such a weird dude that was <laughs> just convincing you how cool he was. So <laughs> would you would you see the three movies that we watched today? For me, someone who has like never seen a Steven Seagal movie, would you say that this is like pretty representative of him? Um, or do you think that I need that I should like continue oh, my journey? Well, there are other. W- if you well, we'll find out if you enjoyed them <laughs> as we get to them. Um, there are other ones we can recommend to you, but I tried to. I figured that you hadn't seen many, if any, and I wanted. I chose Hard to Kill as one that was more in my one of my favorite ones. Yeah, and it has a balance of what is like ridiculous about him and what's cool about him. Mm-hmm. And then um, Glimmer Man isn't really one of my favorites, but I enjoy watching it. And then Belly of the Beast I chose as. One of the crazier ones that also is, to me, entertaining, but maybe not to Matt. It's quite stylishly um, directed. Because he... <laughs> Surprisingly so. He, like, the Glimmer Man and Hard to Kill are both from when he was, like, a big deal and making big, st- like, expensive studio movies. Yeah, and this one's later. And then he fell into straight-to-video movies, and Belly of the Beast is, to me, one of the more interesting of that period. And then eventually they fell off to be where, uh, like, I, I mean, a combination of how bad a person he turned out to be yeah. and how bad the movies got. Like, I haven't even watched them for several, oh, really? years, several years. But there were two in a row where he was where he was sitting down for the whole movie. <laughs> and that was when I stopped. <laughs> you might have seen some cl- some clips on, t- sometimes the clips from these later Seagull movies will turn up on Twitter. Yeah. Where it's very hilarious the way that they have to, like, edit around the fact that he's unwilling to move. Or and is oftentimes get out of the belly of the beast. Does he have, like, yeah. physical health issues or is he just, like, a lazy guy uh, later? the later ones he has not said that he has any 
But he might be covering it. I obviously. see. Yeah. I here the, my particular take on Steven Seagal is that I see him as very much like Donald Trump. He's got whatever Donald Trump's <laughs> brain disease is. <laughs> the Trump disease. They're they're like they're like have no degree of relationship with honesty whatsoever. They like don't like they don't believe in tr truth. So they've constantly manufactured this sort of like story about themselves, like their the entirety of their life. Uh, the big difference, of course, I think between because I, I think that their life trajectories are fascinatingly like. <laughs> Like mapped onto each other, even ending up like be friends with Putin <laughs> later on in life. Yep. Uh, but Very like the, one of the huge differences is that Seagal has an interest in other cultures. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> yeah, see Donald Trump going like talking in another language and doing like uh, cultural signifiers from another culture and being like this. This is cool for me. Like he wouldn't do that in a million years because yeah. he's yeah. so ardently white supremacist. We we got a good some good examples of him like rolling his R's and like mm -hmm. do, using different. Yes. Speaking, speaking oh of different God. languages, he also surprisingly he doesn't do much in Glimmer Man. I don't think, but he also does kind of like code switching when he's talking to black people a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> that happens in the Glimmer Man. He, he starts <clears throat> trying to, or he'll do kind of like a southern thing if he's talking to the certain person. Yeah. <laughs> Which movie was it where there was there's the scene where there's like a car chase, and then he gives the car to the to the to the that the, was hard to kill. that was hard to kill, and then. But then they, it's like, yeah, man. Then they do like a high five, and he's like, "Cool essay" and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hilarious because uh, that movie is so full of like racist portrayals of <laughs> Latinos. But then at a certain point, he goes, "Hola, hombres, <laughs> yeah. necesita un coche." Or yeah, he's whatever. like, "You like my coche?" Yeah, he calls his car a coche. Very cool. I looked <laughs> that up, and they only call cars coches in Spain, apparently. Um, so maybe he spent <laughs> I mean, a little yeah, time I, in and Spain. And I know he assigned Glimmerman to you in this case, but. Even still, the three movies kind of have like a trajectory of yeah. him. <laughs> That's what I like. In about the it. first one, he's like lithe, skinny, badass. In the in Glimmer Man, he's like he's he's like getting a little larger, but he's wearing the goofy clothes now, and he's starting to like you know do a little all bit of more his of his like, he's I love playing all his his stuff <laughs> and that. Like he's he's sort of building that persona, and by yeah. the time you get to the belly of the beast, he's like not moving around too much, and he's really really laying into that stuff. You know, he's like. Really, he's really immersed himself in the culture. <laughs> Belly of the Beast, he's also fully in his sigh acting uh, phase, where he, he's constantly sighing. He's mm -hmm. just speaking uh, through sighs. You guys, I'm not going to oh, lie. Belly God, of the Beast, it lost me like halfway through, so I'm going we'll to have to depend we'll have to talk on about everyone that. talking through. Should we... Are we gonna go like no, chronologically? No, I think we should. No, go we gotta go chronologically. chronologically. Yeah. Oh wait, what's this episode called, you guys? Oh, oh. well, you named it, so I you did get to name say it. You said flock of seagulls. Bingo! Last minute hail mary. We were kind of like, I don't know this or that, and then flock of seagulls, the hundred percent best choice out of by a mile out yeah. of nowhere. My Emily, work here's done. I'm actually just, just gonna go home now. Three pointer buzzer beater yeah. right there, <laughs> like incredible stuff. <laughs> it's no, it's no Burton for escorting. Yeah. Fuck. Well, yeah, but nothing Thank ever God. was, was it? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, shall we? Shall Let's we start go, at the yeah. beginning when we were all so young and so naive? Uh, the year was 1990, and a and a young 40-year-old Steven Seagal put out a movie called Hard to Kill. Steven Seagal is Mason Storm, a cop working undercover until his cover was blown. Whoever that is, I don't want him to get an hour older. They'd seen the last of him. But Mason Storm is hard to kill. Mason! Now, 
He's toast. Do you understand? The climate is right. We'll get him, buddy. For revenge. Every one of them. Think you better dial 911. Mason Storm is about to hit back. That wasn't the time. Now is the time. We are going to put an end to violence, and you can take that to the bank. Steven Seagal is hard to kill. Take that to the bank. Which my which my mother foolishly took me to the theater to see. Wow. <laughs> what? I How old are you? Like I was like 10? eleven. She, I mean, we went to action movies all I mean, the no, time. I mean, no, I'm sure that was fun. It was fun. You we both liked it. Hog heaven. I thought that stuff was great. Like, I had no barometer when I was a kid. I still think this movie's a lot of fun, but I mean... Oh, yeah. It's, rel- like, compared to the stuff that I really like now, it's it seems very generic, but I liked that about it. Yeah. So I'm- the director is Bruce Malmuth. I didn't write down anything else that he's done. You guys know off the top of your head if he has I don't. done anything Do you? else cool. Uh, director of Hard to Kill. No, Sorry, Vern is going through his book, Seagology, I, I right now re- as a reference. reference material. You know, this stuff memorized yet? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, but I'm old now. He wrote yeah. it in the book, so he didn't have to memorize it. Isn't that in Last Crusade? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. You didn't bring that's, the book here, did that's you? What I, that's what I meant. No, you should have um, mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Wrote it in the book, so I didn't have to remember. He's, Slash he's for blasphemy. He's not like a real famous guy other than this, but he... I think there was something else that he had. Oh, he did Nighthawks. What? Really? The, the Stallone one? Am I wrong here? Is my book wrong? Uh-oh. He, if it is, uh, that's worth, that's worth checking part. out. I'm going to be there right now. fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, Night, Nighthawks is great. I don't know what Nighthawks is. Nighthawks is great, except that, like, <laughs> both sides are terrible at what they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a good movie. <laughs> uh, but, yes, Hard to Kill is the first Steven Seagal movie that I ever saw. And, uh, and it's the, the second th- one I've ever seen. And I saw it like three days ago. <laughs> yeah, there you and it's go. His second movie. Fantastic. It's his second movie. His first one is Above, Above the, the Law. law. Yeah. And that has the ultimate Steven Seagal introduction where it has the narration where he's going like, I was in the CIA and I was raised in the... You get, get the whole Steven... Yeah. And Steven Seagal, by the way, claims much of this story to be his actual story. Real, and yeah. some of it is. But he's like... He's, he, he will say that he has mafia connections and that he was Which in the is CIA actually true. in special forces but they're they're not like cool mafia yeah. connections right. they're embarrassing mafia connections <laughs> there's the whole thing where like he Jul- got his partner Jules Nasso is like was mafia connected and then they got like they had a falling out and stuff and then like the mob got involved they, yeah they were th- they were threatening him and he yeah they recorded it and he yeah he actually got them sent to prison. His, so. Yeah, his producer went to prison. Yeah. It's not cool. Like in a Seagal well, so movie, did the, it would be so like, did like one of the mob bosses who was like threatening him. Got we got convicted of like for a year for like extortion and stuff. Yeah, but he yeah he doesn't brag about that because it doesn't sound as cool. Like, yeah, yeah. They f- they extorted me and I got him sent to prison. Yeah, like, not, I, not that I blame him, but I just sure. But he says it, says stuff like like he was in C the CIA and worked for the special forces and all this sort of stuff and. Uh, it's hard to imagine them enlisting a guy like <laughs> Steven Seagal into a clandestine operation at all. And there was an infamous one where he was on Arsenio in the heyday, and he, like Arsenio, would be like, "So is this true?" And he would go, "I can't." He, he would he would I not say. Confirm yeah, or deny. He wouldn't say it was true, <laughs> but deny. say something like very brief that was supposed to imply like, "Yes, it was true." And He's I can't. He's got to keep that aura of mystery, maybe. <laughs> 
Well, this movie takes place in L.A. or in Hollywood. We know that because there, he continues to mention how he's missing the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> Classic cop stuff. <laughs> Didn't we trace what night of the year this takes place on because of the Oscars yeah, that Yeah, it was when Gandhi won. <laughs> wow. And he missed it. That was one reason why I chose... Why I wanted I like all the Oscar stuff. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. I like when he's in the convenience store. He's like, "Are you gonna watch the Oscars?" He's like, "I got a show in here every night." Yeah, I love that. Got like a Sex, Muppet. violence, depravity. The fuck <laughs> out here with your Oscars. Now break in, someone's leg. In my book, which is called Sigology, I talked about how uh, how much he would have appreciated Gandhi winning because of the pacifism <laughs> and. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> There should be a clip of him like because he was in a coma. There should be a clip of him like watching the Gandhi movie and going like, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) What if he woke up from his coma because he we're jumping kind of all over the place, but it was seven years later he woke up from the coma. What if he woke up the seven years later on Oscar night, nineteen ninety seven? Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Ninety. Would have been ninety because this seven years later, nineteen ninety. Oh, yeah. oh, it takes. Oh, I guess the yeah, yeah. Got so it was, uh, driving Miss driving Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think oh, it would have been okay did with you that. Did you notice the do the right thing? Billboard I did. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Well, the reason that he does wake up, of course, seven years later. So at the beginning of the movie, he's uh, videotaping an extremely straightforward crime being done where people are just like... It's these mob guys on the dock going like... <laughs> mob guys are always I, on I the dock. I heard this place was clean. You better be clean. Yeah, okay, but once you once you get me elected, says William Sadler, oh. I'm going to give you so many bribes. <laughs> and, and he looks like a Dick Tracy villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, there's, a great, there's a great shot because like, Steven Seagal is like, clandestinely videotaping this. And and, and the like, video, it's you know, it's early, so the videotape is huge. Like the the yeah, camera, camera is just, like, big he's just like has his camcorder. Yeah, and uh, and he accidentally like makes a noise, and you hear the the mob guys go, "I thought you said this dock was clean." And then William Sadler, the senator, <laughs> like <laughs> steps into the light, <laughs> and it's like, turns "Hey, you out there, the you better." <laughs> he turns to the camera and steps into the light. <laughs> you see so the do you, do you see has, the footage? He finds light. Yeah, you see the, the the supposed footage from this camera shot that Steven Seagal is taking. And it's a dolly shot. Yeah, too. well, it's the <laughs> like same. It it's the back. same shot that's because you see the shot in the movie, yes. and he's recording it. And then when you see the video of it later, it's yeah, that shot. Filter of it. Well, sh- well shot, <laughs> yeah. Steven Seagal. Incredible. Or but should he, I say, Mason Storm? But he does. He cool he name. doesn't recognize who the assemblyman is. But he gets. He recognizes the voice though. But he gets this evidence that they're planning to assassinate a senator. Yes. So he knows corruption is afoot. And yeah, his name is Mason Storm. It's a cool name. <laughs> Fucking cool. Did you That's know the it, the script was called Seven Year Storm, yes. which is a That's badass cool. title? But then Hard to Kill is arguably. I like Hard. Great. I think Hard to Kill is great, and it's accurate. I like yeah. those, those that like early <laughs> period of his best stuff. You know, like when he was making big budget movies. Like, you know, Mark for Death, Hard to Kill, Out for Justice. They're all prepositional phrases. Above the law. Yeah. Every yeah. single one of them. <laughs> they're hard, they're, I get them confused with each other, but yeah. that's not a problem uh, yeah. for me. I like that. Uh, Did that he work motif. with Andy Davis more than once, or was it just Above the Law? Under Siege. Uh, under, under Siege, siege that's right. Yeah. Uh, which I saw fairly recently, like two years ago, and liked it a lot it's less great. than I yeah. did. Oh, come on. Oh, I, yeah, well, I know, loved it I'm when like I was writing a kid. down all these things. Oh, there's <laughs> that, that and Under, the sequel's good, too. I love Under Siege 2, also. Yeah. I wrote down Under Written Siege. Written by Matt Reeves. I think I, prefer, yeah. I think I prefer Under Siege 2. Yeah, I, I kind of do, too. Uh, but they're both good. I think that the best one, since since we're going over this early early phase of Seagal, the, I think it's generally considered to be the best one is Out for, Out Justice. Out for Justice. With uh, yeah. I think a lot of people have different say different things, but a lot of people that one that is was a lot kinda, of that one's kind of undeniable. I feel like yeah, 
A well, it's bit. got it's got the gritty John Flynn like, like yeah, it's like better directed. It. it has a great like the score is really Forsyth like, is good, and it's an original Forsyth. It's an original story because it's like the bad guy is not trying to do anything. He's just on a rampage, smoking crack and shooting people and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I he just that. and he knows There's he's no gonna die. There's no big master plan. Yeah, he knows he's, he's gonna. Yeah. He knows that Seagal is gonna kill him, and he just wants to fuck shit up for a while before it happens. Yeah. So that's such a weird, cool premise for it. So the only thing, he does a ridiculous a- accent in it, and that's that's, right. a, that's really the main laughable thing about it. Like if that wasn't the case, it would mostly be like just a straightforward great badass movie i think but i love that i love the accent though yeah, yeah I mean, no I, I enjoy it it's like I'm a just not, wait I just no that's under siege i just have to mention that if i'm claiming to yeah. normal people that don't watch these movies that it's because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, i mean to me it is a perfect movie but yeah uh to, to me like the the big hallmark of seagal and i watched it, i didn't watch him in the theater for the first time but Same. i saw hard to kill the first time and i think i watched it with my dad because my dad was you know Dad was a you know yeah. a classic dad kind of guy who's like guy. I don't want you know like my mom's like I don't want our kids watching R rated movies and my dad's but well, we'll watch a Steven Seagal movie and like, come on uh, and then we watched that and it was like probably a little bit more violent than he was <laughs> expecting it to he's like I know how violent action movies of this day and, and age are and then we put on like bones breaking arms backwards. That was what Steven Seagal that was, was. That should have been what the title of the movie is: Bones Break, Breaking Arms Backwards. Bones Breaking <laughs> Arms Backwards. That was what Steven Seagal <laughs> meant to me when I was a kid: was breaking people's arms backwards. That was, I'd never seen any <laughs> yeah, fucking thing like that before. It blew my goddamn mind. He, so w- after he finds this evidence, he goes home and he. I love this type of scene in action movies where he stops at the liquor store <laughs> and just random dudes are robbing it, and he yeah. ends up having to fight them. Cobra, like, Stone I, Cold, <laughs> Robocop. I love, yeah, Robocop. I love when it really has nothing to do with. It's still like maybe one of the best scenes, even though it has nothing to do with the plot. It's just a random thing that that happens to him. I um, like the one the one guy who's he's been in a ton of. Other movies, he's always playing like Ro- a thug. Robert Lissardo, I think, is probably yes, about. Yeah. and he's the one who's like, "What are you doing? He's hitting you! Get up! Get him! Keep getting him!" <laughs> yeah, he's bossing the other guys <laughs> to fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wanted to say, but, oh, go ahead. I love that they're 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 just like they're robbing a, a con- liquor store, or a convenience store, or whatever it is. They're just like a, a bunch of thugs out to rob a convenience store on Oscar night, and they're like <laughs> dia- they're all diabolical villains. They're so <laughs> villainous. Like the guy goes, "I'm gonna cut your fucking heart out to him," and then Steven Seagal's like, "Come on, cut my heart out." <laughs> oh, I love that. Was that he when he was like, like five minutes into the movie? Yeah, he gets down on his yeah, knees. Down like, on I'll his make knees. it more fair. Yeah. That was awesome. He loves doing that. He loves doing that. Oh, you want to square? Like, let's put our weapons away. I'll even give you the first shot, and then just fuck somebody. He does up. it in the in the pool scene too later, where he's like, <laughs> he's like, is it maybe it's in Glimmer Man where this happens, where he's playing pool with him. I think it's Glimmer Man. Oh, yeah. Glimmer Man? Yeah, where he does the same thing, though, where he's like, oh, you, tell you, you don't you think I can man, play huh? with my gun in my hand? All right, I'll put the gun away. And then, then he's like, so where's my stick? Because it's a good display of how much more <laughs> badass he yeah. is than other people. But th- but also, at the end of the scene, there's two really funny jokes that I think are like really great comic timing and everything, which uh-huh. is... Number one, like cutting from him twisting the guy's leg and the guy screaming, and it just has this jump or like smash cut to him outside talking to the cops afterwards after it's all over. <laughs> just like the timing of the cut is really hilarious. Do you and remember what the cop says to him? No. You got it written down? 
Looks like you won the Oscar tonight, Stone. Yeah, he did. Stone? Storm. 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 Oh, yeah. Whatever. And then, and then, right after that, that I, I'm dumb. still laughing about that. And then he gets in his car and he's listening to Chuck Mangione. Feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> and he's driving. He's just like grooving on the way home, listening to Chuck Mangione. It's like the funniest possible song. And it's like, it, I don't know. Do you guys think that that's intentionally funny? That part. I, I, I think it's like more like a hell yeah, like. Dude's rule moment. I, I, I kind of felt like it's like Seagal probably really likes that song. He's like, "What if we play a cool song?" <laughs> He's a noted well, music lover. It's yeah. like That's it's true. like a jock jam. It's like getting pumped up for something, but it's more of a congratulatory, <laughs> a congratulatory like. But it's fuck yeah. Yeah, except it's like a mellow. It's yeah. <laughs> it was between it, that or the streak. But of course, when I wrote <laughs> the book, I was very had to research everything, and I was very interested in that, and so I. Number one, you see, you can see in the shot that it is a Chuck Mangione tape, so they knew when they filmed it that that was what it was going to be, like when he injects it. But also, it's in the script that, oh, that, yeah. that that's what he's listening Weird. to. Weird. Wow. Fascinating. They're like, you know, so we then might, it, we so might it must have to pay a, more, an, but a we, joke. we're dead set on this. Yeah, it must be like an actual gag then. Yeah, yeah. I, I lean towards yes, but anyway, I love if it. it, if it had come Whether out, or not it's supposed to be funny, it's yeah. my favorite. It is funny. If this movie had come out eight minutes later, eight minutes, eight years later, it would have been Steven Seagal's own song that he was listening to, <laughs> like that he'd been jamming away with with the Jeff Healy band, something like that. What's his uh, blues man name that he has for himself? Like Captain Mojo or something like that? Well, there's there's Steven Slowhand Seagal. Is one Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. That's very sensual. I, I, I saw his band live at the Tractor. You, I what? Forget, of course I you did. It's incredible. Year. It was an amazing experience, really. It was like, <laughs> because number one, he's like he gets up there and he's wearing a sleeveless, like, orange, like, Asian style Does he still shirt, have, a, like, like he, a little ponytail and stuff? Uh, no ponytail. Wow. He got rid of the ponytail pretty quick, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, even though it became... Iconic. Sort of became he's more, he's more widow's peak Mar- now. This movie we're discussing actually is the debut of the ponytail. That's why she fondles it, I think, because it's like so new and exciting. <laughs> 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 Probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he's first of all, he actually is a good guitar player. So he like, I mean, at least f- you know, from my perspective yeah. as an odd musician or whatever, like he seemed good, and his band was actually like super tight and good. It was all it was uh, all black musicians besides him. It wasn't like blues hammer from uh <laughs> from ghost is a ghost world that's blues or no whatever whatever movie has blues hammer yeah it's not like blues white hair. guy blues. i think it's it was like, ghost world actually it's like his band is like legit and then he's playing with them but you're looking at him and he's super tall and he's like just looks exactly like in the movies and it just was surreal <laughs> to see him up there and also like everyone there is like a fan of seagal and so they like excited. wanted to fight and like um <laughs> And he and like surprisingly good show. And then he actually st- stuck around and signed autographs. And then like suddenly people are like busting out like under siege laser discs and shit. That you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> and I did get him to sign my thing. And I didn't really say I didn't say I wrote a book about you. Or anything, you should have got him I, to sign the book. I was gonna I, say, does he know about this book? Well, yes. yeah, because I, I initially I self-published it, and during that time, someone told me that they brought it up to have him sign, and he said. Can I keep that? And then they gave it to him. Wow. <laughs> but and then I've heard I've been told from people that that like people on the sets of his movies had the book and stuff. But cool. But I never I wouldn't really. I mean, especially even then before I knew he was such trash person. I like 
didn't really want to talk to him about it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally <laughs> no, understand that. Would be that. Scary. Um, but when we left, uh, my wife and I were like leaving all excited, and we're like, I had shaken his hand after I got his signature, and so we're gone, and there were these people at a bus stop, and and we're like. We just we sh- we just shook Steven Seagal's hand, <laughs> and, and they go really. <laughs> the only thing, and then they wanted to fight you. The only thing that would have been no, cooler if Steven cool. Seagal shaking your hand was if he like broke, broke your, your arm, arm backwards, backwards and then threw you into a china uh, like a china hutch or something like that. Just <laughs> or, he, or he like moved his hands real fast in front of you, and then you flew out a window. <laughs> That's an amazing story. I always find it fascinating how many. Um, uh, actors who want to become musicians choose the the genre of music is bar blues. <laughs> it's always like Ke- Kevin Bacon's band, yeah. like Russell Crowe's band. Well, these are also all like dad dad vibe it's, it's guys. It's dad vibe guys, but it's, it's also because bar blues is really easy to play. It's because they're sad. You're like, actually, I have a bar. Because <laughs> they have the blues. They have, Kiefer Sutherland, he he had a bar blues album Another that he put out, vibe. and he was very. And it was a lot of it was very personal stuff about his struggle with alcoholism. Yeah. Oh, but wow. it's also because you can tune a guitar in a certain way to play blues music, where you just have to go up and down like this. It's really easy to. I mean, if you know how to, you know, you, I don't know how. Not, to play not anybody. Guitar. No, you well, can't just jump on it and play it, but. Seagal's version of it, of course, he, he had to be like the authentic, like Memphis, like he had to. <laughs> yeah, he he, should be, he had to become, and he uh, he claimed to have some like bluesman mentor that taught him of course, playing, he playing guitar on the porch when he was a kid or whatever. <laughs> this you makes know. me wish that there was like a Craig Brewer action movie starring Steven Seagal know, as a bluesman. That would be, be fucking crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, I used to want to write one called The Bluesman. Oh, about God. Him. Like his his blues teacher gets killed and he has to get revenge on him. <laughs> There's got to be footage of Steven Seagal telling a story of his learning the blues and it's exactly the plot of Crossroads with Ralph Macchio. <laughs> it just has to be. like No, he learned, the, he learned the blues at the Double Deuce. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? One of one of the stories that he tells that, that is probably not true has to do with... Uh, I've, now I, for, I should remember his name, but the, like the founder of Aikido, he claimed to have known or learned from or something and there is evidence that he like saw him speak somewhere or something like when he was young living in japan um but in in the photos where they were proving that he was in the vicinity of this guy he's (laughs) playing a guitar in one of the pictures (laughs) (laughs) so okay back Back to the movie back to hard to kill so he's feeling good he's driving home we see he's a family man guy's leg we see he's a family man he's got a wife and a kid mm-hmm. a baby son, son. yeah son. son is probably three or four and you get that classic like what a great man type stuff where like a he's a great father and his a great kid, lover. kid loves him and his he wife is beautiful and still very horny for him yeah <laughs> we get in this and i believe at least one other of these movies if not all of them and i don't know if this is in every one of his movies we get like an extended love making scene where we are we're shown that he is a, a good fuck. There's not none in the Glimmer Man, unfortunately. He's a graceful but we, lover. we are bookending this beast. episode with movies with sex scenes, and in this one, these these are very funny scenes to me because this is supposed to be like, "Hi, honey, we're married," and like a like a tender like husband and wife love making scene, and it's Steven Seagal just going to town on this lady's boobs, <laughs> just like he's like, "Hey, man, <laughs> this is a fun job," like sort of thing. And then later, there's a scene later on with um, Kelly LeBrock 
where it's like the first making out for the first time, <laughs> and, and he like grabs who knows, butt yeah, really who hard. knows what experiences he's going through with the death of his wife, and this, this is the first time he's had sex since then, eight seven years in a coma. First thing he does is just grab her ass, just go right for it, like, <laughs> just a big amazing. Game. And they were married at the time. They were married at the time. Exactly. Isn't the story that she called later would Wait, call the, this the movie second stuff girl like was married to him? Yeah, Kelly, Kelly LeBrock. That's the lady they were from married. Weird Science. Seen Weird Science like twice. Well, I'm just saying. Okay. She's a famous model. Weird Science and possibly other things. Yeah, uh, but uh, go for her. D- isn't the story <laughs> that later, well, that, like after their horrible marriage and like acrimonious breakup, she called this movie hard to believe? Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. Yeah, or, like maybe it was hard to watch or something like <laughs> that. You know. In these early ones, he's like a family man, and sometimes they have those scenes. And then in the later ones, it's always like some way young, uncomfortably younger woman. Yeah. The, and always like really awkward, dispassionate. Like we'll get oh to it. No. Oh, we'll get to it. In this it one, it makes more sense. Doesn't always have them, but uh, way more than you would like. Some of the stuff in Belly <laughs> of the Beast is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but in this one, it's it's him and his his wife. They're they're married. They love each other very much. And uh, but the people who like, I think it's because of dirty cops have like passed the word along that yeah. he he took this videotape. And uh, and they come in and they blow away his whole family, except for the kid who goes jumping out the window. So essentially, they blow him and his wife away because that's his whole family. Other that's than his the whole kid, family, so other than the kid. And then, the kid uh, but the, it's pretty brutal too. Yeah. Like they shoot, they have to shoot shoot Seagal quite a few times to get him down because he is. Diffi- hard to kill. Difficult to put down. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then the the wife just gets straight up just blasted with a shotgun. Oh yeah. And you She's get to see something wall. that you won't see in Seagal movies much after this: a genuine outpouring of emotion. Yeah. He's like, no! I was very surprised to see that. He goes, he goes like, ah, like really, like <laughs> yeah. actual acting. I remember uh, at Vern's recommendation years and years ago, I watched one of these later period Seagal movies, probably from the Belly of the Beast era. Where there's a scene where his wife and and kids I can't remember the name of the movie I'm sorry but there's a scene where he's standing outside walking to to his house and his wife and kid are in the house and the house blows up because of the villains <laughs> and he's got sunglasses on and he just <laughs> looks at it and then walks away. Damn. <laughs> well, I guess that's my family dead. This well, that's very Buddhist of him. Everything's <laughs> impermanent. That's why men need therapy. <laughs> Family's just another possession that you accrue that means nothing. It's all suffering. It's all <laughs> suffering. He, he's also infamous as the action hero who doesn't get hurt in most of his movies because he's just overpowers every single person he ever encounters. So yeah. This, yeah. that's one reason this one stands out because he actually gets almost killed. But then he he still has to get shot and then start like kicking their asses for a little bit before <laughs> right <laughs> before they he goes down swinging put him that's down. For sure. he's hard to kill man cuz he's hard to kill yeah. yeah i liked his uh, his whole like when he's coming out of his coma like his whole his whole like regimen to like get back in shape that's great <laughs> that was good oh wow cuz he's like there's this there's a thing where he's like lifting he's like lifting these dumbbells and he's kind of going like uh, He's like on, you know, he's standing up, but he's like wobbling. He looks Training like it's really hard for him, you know. For sure. That was well, good. First, we have to describe that he's in the coma and he wakes up and he's got a Rip Van Winkle beard. <laughs> oh my god, he's got I loved long, it. So I don't know much. why they don't trim his his hair is very long and his beard is very long. Well, that's Kelly LeBrock let made him have that beard. Uh, they discussed that oh, later, yeah, later on. Oh, yeah, was like, are you responsible for this beard? And she's like, yes, I, I quite like it. Or whatever. <laughs> and then they then they have a little <laughs> laugh. Uh, so it's like all Kelly LeBrock. Because, of she, course, she works at the coma center. Possibly inappropriately, she has a sexual crush on this coma patient. Possibly. 
Well, yeah, she, she looks. Did, she looks at his penis. It might actually cross over into fully, into it fully inappropriate just when check she ogles his dick. That's why I'm not a nurse. <laughs> this is she lifts it up what? and she says, "Because I would look at all the patients." But you've got so much penis. to live for. <laughs> you just yeah. please look at all the wake up, bitch. I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> look, I just want to know. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to know. There's there's a great cat joke straight out of Austin. I Powers thought this was the funniest <laughs> thing in the entire world when I was 12 years old. Nothing funnier than this. You remember? Wait, what is it? Where she, he's still in a coma and Kelly LeBrock has probably just finished ogling his dick for the oh ninth God, time today. Oh, God, yeah, this joke. And then she goes, you want a little pussy? Beautiful. And you're like, oh, my. And then she gives it, she puts a little kitten on him. Which I don't think is a hospital regulation. I'm pretty sure Do you probably can't look at their dicks or put or kittens put on, cats them. on them. <laughs> or make them she's have like, she's weird like, beards. Whatever. Do we ever see the kitten again? Do the no. Kitten? It's a it's a hospital kitten. Yeah, we never find out I what happened the to that kitten. Was okay because some violence happens right after that. Yeah, I mean that, sure that kitten could have. I think the kitten probably just hid somewhere. Yes, yeah, it's to small. God. That kitten was very small. Next time you see Steven Seagal, ask him about the kitten. Okay. At the next so, blues show. So basically, uh, to, for all, for everyone else, they think he's dead, but he's really in a coma, and only a certain key people know that. His, and when he wakes up from the coma, there's like on his chart it says to notify. O'Malley. Yeah. yeah. His friend O'Malley from Infernal Infernal Internal <laughs> Affairs. <laughs> oh. Uh, he, he is the cop he, from he Wayne's noticed, World. Yeah, he 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 actually if, although he's hard to kill, he did die for a second. Mm-hmm. He was they dead. They reported that he was dead and then they're like, "Oh shit, no, he's alive." And he's like, "Don't tell anyone." And then he also <laughs> went and raised his son for him. Yes. Because he's a what good, a good he's best a, friend. This guy is, O'Malley really, is a great friend. But then the wrong guy answers the phone when they call and so all the dirty cops come to the coma center to continue trying to kill him here's two things just so you know o'malley or this before we get into the the meat of the plot this is how you know this is two things o'malley says so you know why he's willing to do this for his friend because he respects him so much that was the cleanest man i ever knew he had more honor and guts than this whole department put together which is Mm. damn and then he says he was hops though so the second thing he says about him he's he's the most unstoppable man i ever knew actually i believe he says most unstoppable son of a bitch i ever knew (laughs) that's what i say about all my friends (laughs) when i'm complimenting them uh, nick escalante is the deadliest man alive in (laughs) in heat absolutely unstoppable whenever i'm introducing friends to people i'll be like rank rank them in order of unstoppability like, this is my friend Matt. He's pretty unstoppable. This is Emily. She's the most unstoppable. Wait, what was that movie we were watching where they were introducing people and then one guy had, like, a like oh, an yeah. illness or something, and then this guy, he had, like... He's he diabetic? Yeah, no, that like was that. Uh, that was um, At Close Range. At it was like, he's epileptic. Range. He's epileptic. <laughs> he's unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, that's really he's funny. He's epileptic. <laughs> he says it twice. And then we see him have a seizure later on. Well, yeah, he's, he's like, oh, this is, don't worry about him. He's epileptic. He's got epilepsy. Is David Strath there, I think? Yeah, it was David Strath there. <laughs> I, I call it... The, the just how badass is he line yeah, right. in a movie when they when some other character oh, yeah. is describing how badass he is and there's some of his other movies have like full-on speeches about how great he is or how many medals he has and stuff like that that's so good. but that's a good one is that's, like that's most probably one of my favorite of segments in psychology is when you're talking about all the all the lines that people say about him what's the what's the most uh classic well, one that arlie ermy says <laughs> well he's got a whole speech about how if you drop him off in the arctic circle with only his underwear and a toothbrush or something like it's got a whole it's, there's a lot of detail to it he'd, and, he'd be at your pool like two weeks later with a speedo on or something a fistful of pesos <laughs> where'd he get those pesos and I don't, yeah i forget he, if he I went looked. to mexico before he went back to your pool <laughs> i don't know so these guys try to come get him at the the coma center and he's like he's like 
like kill billing it trying to get his like muscles back and everything so that he can run away and he's roped this nurse into it and she's like you know, I guess fuck, fuck my life. I'm gonna be this guy's like. Yeah, she's already person. in love with him. She's pretty she, in love with him, and she like, sees that they really are trying to kill him. So she. Yeah. And this is There's a really good scene where, where they're escaping like the hospital. Massaging him, and he's like, "Get me out of here! Thanks for the massage, but get me out of here." <laughs> no, that's not, that's like a different. That's like. Uh, oh, is that a different, a different girl? Guy, different nurse. No, it's a guy that works. It's like a massage. Oh uh, yeah. Physical <laughs> therapist or something. So those, that stuff's really funny but, because yeah, that yeah, guy's like, says, "Thanks for the massage." Come yeah, on, buddy, he's like I'm really enjoying you. the massage too. You can tell that he's thanks. <laughs> get me out of here. At, at this point, isn't he like suspected of doing some horrible shit too? Oh like, yeah, yes. they, we they didn't mention him. that they planted a bunch of cocaine and stuff in his house. Right. So I, I was just wondering, like, who's been paying for this coma care the whole time? It's just got to be O'Malley. Is it? Yeah. Okay. O'Malley or is it the state? Waiting oh, for yeah. him to like come back to life so they can prosecute him. <laughs> well, if you ever meet the un- most unstoppable son of a bitch in the world, then you would do whatever you can, like yeah. whatever investment you kid? need to make. Yeah, is so they're running but around he's this... using a mop to push himself around. Yeah, in yeah. Bed, this is, which is really, really classic. Cool. I love this shit. Yeah. At one point, I was like, "Damn, there's like where are all the patients in this hospital?" They're and in was, And then I was like, "Oh yeah, Emily, this is." <laughs> This is the L.A. Coma Center. <laughs> They're literally all asleep. <laughs> did, did you guys think about how many Kill Bill parallels there are in the story, though? It's very I did notice it. Of, like, you know, they both go into a coma. He he is sort of molested while he's in the coma, but not as badly. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, but still. But she could have the pussy wagon because she makes that joke the pussy about, joke. The, about the cat. Yeah. But she doesn't. But, you know, and then also there's it's not really... As big of a reveal, but he also doesn't know that his kid survived until later. That's yeah. right. Like, Jeez. You find that he was raised by Mexican pimps. They also <laughs> call him the bride. Yeah. They call him the, yeah. No. <laughs> I always wondered if it was a, a conscious Traded martial arts in Japan. for Tarantino. But, and then, oh, yeah, and then having to, just the, the whole thing of waking up out of the coma and then having to deal with not being able to use his muscles yeah. and everything. Like it's I mean, I'm sure Tarantino yeah. thinks this movie's a blast, probably, right? Yeah. I would think so. A, a kind of incredible thing about this that I hadn't picked up until this time was, well, and it's, and it's all can be attributed to just how incredible Mason Storm is, of course, but this motherfucker was in a coma for seven years, pops out and knows the deal. He knows the score. He's like... <laughs> Comes into consciousness and is like, Kelly Brock, you got to get me out of here. There's guys after me. Yeah. He, he does kind of the drowsiness, though, too. No, to no, make... yes, exactly. He, also, he is playing thinking, weak. It's I was just surprising. Like seven, seven years, he, like, I don't know, I think he's at our apartment or something. He just immediately like, grabs the, t- the TV remote and turns it on. So I don't know, stuff like. Yeah, oh, yeah, he seems very well adjusted, but that, and then it shows like who's president now. This is my favorite part. <laughs> oh, this is the, my the new Bush, favorite yeah. part in the whole movie. This is, a, this is the possibly the greatest scene in movie history. Where he put, turns on the TV, and this is just to show that the new pre- there's a new president. A lo- long time has passed, and because it's like some news report that's going George Dub George President George Bush is out and about. But this is what He's the this is what the news antics. report this, the news report says. Yes, President George Bush has really caught the public eye with his antics. <laughs> And he's like kissing a pig. Yeah, he, he literally kisses, kisses a, a little pig. Yeah. I love the idea of the president catching the public's eye. It's like, yeah, I feel like he caught the public eye when he got <laughs> when made he president of the United States. Later, later to show how crazy things have gotten, they have the the clip from Geraldo with the white supremacist getting in the brawl of the famous Do you remember clip. how? And he looks at it and it says the title of the show and he goes, Geraldo. He like rolls <laughs> I had not noticed that until this time. Incredible. <laughs> it always makes me think of that Saturday Night Live skit where the 
where the news reporters is like they're saying like Bob Costas and like, <laughs> oh, and Jimmy <laughs> Smith is in the office, and they're like, yeah. "You want some enchiladas and stuff like that?" And he's just rolling his—he just can't believe it. Yeah. But in this, but it really is like I wonder if they like when Bruce Malmuth was directing him, was he like, "You don't have to say it like that," and he's like, "No, I got to show, got to show that I know how to pronounce." Nobody it. says it that way. He doesn't say it that way. Amazing <laughs> <laughs> stuff. But they've escaped the. The coma ward, and then they, she has, she's house sitting for some rich doctor friend of her parents. She says a very rich doctor, fancy ranch this that doctor. has a Buddhist shrine in it <laughs> and a horse. That gorgeous home, yeah, a beautiful white <laughs> horse. That later, <laughs> that's Wait, one that, of my favorite moments in the whole movie. That later, just like she realizes she left the gate open, she goes, "I left the gate open," and then it flashes back to the horse just <laughs> just running free. And at that point, I'm like, oh, well, something's going to happen with the horse later. Nothing happens with the horse later. The horse is just free. What I love about it, though, is that when that happens, the music is like this triumphant, like, yeah. like yeah. it definitely, it's like saying, like, this is so great that this horse is now free. It's parallel, because we could all be free if we'd really just unlock the gates of our minds, you know? Uh, she's so, a yeah. terrible house sitter. Yeah, she's ba- she literally the, lost their horse. These bad guys come to the house. Well, I guess we sh- we, we can't skip over the the rehab that he does oh the rehab the rehab was probably uh, other than the people getting their li- arms broken backwards uh was probably the stuff that stuck into my brain the most his because, like self acupuncture because this is that this was is cool. this is rehab Same. that he learned from the orient because he learned from a from a karate man at one point earlier on that before you learn to hurt you have to learn to heal and so and karate get, man like, bleeds on the inside too this is just so. such classic Seagal stuff where he's like there's like uh Asian character, like he's he's reading. Yeah, he writes down. Yeah, he, he finds a book and it's all written in Chinese, and he's like, "I can read this actually." <laughs> and, and he writes down some some like herbs for her to get for him or something. I need you to get me some herbs and some needles. <laughs> some herbs and some needles. And then he's oh, this is so amazing where he's puts the he's got these needles with like smoky with like. Ember things. It on looks them like where he just put like he out. just. It looks like he just like lit a bunch of nugs of weed on like needles and then just like inhaled. The How smoke. do you do it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like I want to do that. I, I like how he made such a big deal about the Catholic prayer at the beginning with his kid, and then he then you're like, oh, he's really good at being Buddhist too. He's spiritually he's omnivorous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's a man of the world. And he, in addition to that, there's the whole there's a training montage where he's. You always, of course, have to wrap rope around a board and start punching it. Like, any movie where that happens is going to be pretty good. Oh, it's great. Yeah, she comes in and he's doing that. And she's just like, that guy. <laughs> she goes, God, she goes, Mason fucking Storm. <laughs> he's punching the board. And at first it's like, uh, it's hard for me to punch this board. And at the end of it, he punches the board right out of the crowd. And he's running up a hill just like uh, uh, hey, Rocky. Like it's Rocky like a vertical. Like it's not even push. a hill. It's literally he's like running vertically up a mountain, and he gets <laughs> yeah. to the top. And for a second, I was like, "Is he gonna just run down the mountain now?" He doesn't yeah. know. It is like it's like Rocky Four when he runs up the mountain. But I, I think <laughs> training montages are always better when they end with somebody going up a hill. And Absolutely. Like, and then he's sitting there, and then you hear like an eagle go. Oh, oh love it. yeah. <laughs> he's there. He's back. He finally made it. Uh, that's the cool thing about training with like running up a hill because th- you know when the training's done. You're yeah. like, I'm at the top. There, that's it. The training's done. I'm, I'm, I'm all better. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I like the score to this movie too. Yeah, it's got a lot of there's some synths and stuff, but this like electric guitars noodling around. And you know what the best part of the score is? 
No. The best part of the score is the best part of the movie. I already said the best part of the movie is George Bush, but the, that's kind of a joke. the best part of the movie is something about 18 times already. I kind of like this like, movie. There are at least 18 best yeah. parts of this movie. Yes. It's a great movie. No, I think we can all agree on this one, that the best part of the movie is when he finally realizes who his enemy is when he's watching the TV. <laughs> yes. Because if you're ever going to be a villain who is also a public figure, don't have a recognizable catchphrase that you say all the time that will really help nail it down who, what your identity is. And he sees William Sadler... Uh, the goat, William Sadler. The goat. Oh, I mean, William Sadler. Come well, on. We, we have to establish the very important fact that he said, you can take that to the bank on the video. He says yeah. it on the yeah. tape. So he says it casually in real life, but it's also like his campaign slogan. Mm -hmm. He is currently a senator. He has enlisted his entire cabinet or whatever they are into the murdering and corruption scheme that he has going on. Gentlemen, too evil. But anyways, <laughs> gentlemen, too evil. He's that guy. Yeah. And Fine so in, in his like campaign advertisements, he goes, you can take that to the bank, you know, just like the thing that I said on the evil on the crooked videotape. So he, he doesn't say that though. No, he doesn't. He leaves he that. He doesn't that last say that part. part. <laughs> That's all subtext. <laughs> but Steven Seagal he sees this thing and he's like, where do I recognize that name from? And then this is actually more complicated than that because isn't he like looking at a blank TV and remembering seeing well, a thing? He, yeah, he, he, he can remember the he voice because he recognized the voice initially because yes. he couldn't see the face. And later he's. Or there's a part where he's, they apparently knew each other because when after, when he's in the coma, yes. uh, Assemblyman Trent is on TV saying, like, we worked together on a couple cases, and he's pretending to cry. And so That's right. Ugh. Uh, but yes, so he, he, he finally puts it together while he's staring at this blank TV, and then I'll let Vern say it. Uh, because <laughs> I've heard Vern say it the before, and it always makes me laugh. The movie. But uh, but okay, so in the, in his memory from a c campaign ad, Senator Trent goes, and you uh, you know I'm gonna do good politics for you, and you can take that to the bank. And Steven Seagal says, I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. The blood bank. <laughs> and then Ooh. the music goes, kong, 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 kong. <laughs> yeah, that's <a> <laughs> the best part of the score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that. It would be great without that, but that puts it over the it's top. It's maybe it really in the top five it. moments of Seagal's entire filmography. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's so wonderful. I mean, this is why this is why we watch movies, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Come on now. Especially, I mean, like, when I so saw this fun. when I was a kid, I was like, that's cool. And I didn't see this for 20 years, and then I revisited it, like, way back, you know, like maybe 10 years ago, and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> that's so fucking great. <laughs> like, even if the rest of this weren't good, it would be, everyone would remember this movie just because of Oh, I mean, that's, that's the juice. It's like a... Uh, always bet on black. You know? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That's the only thing I remember. But like, even if oh, you don't like that one? I mean, it's okay, but I still think that one's good. But I mean, yeah, if the, if yeah. The, if even if it had sucked, like this is enough. Yeah. Passenger Fifty Seven's got a lot of boring in it. It's like eighty five sure. minutes this long. Is, this is what I'm saying. It's a problem. Uh, I love that movie. I didn't mean to slander. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just, but to me, that's like I remember that line, and that would that would be the same. But this has so many other great things in it too. Yeah, including the fact that he wears the world's tightest blue pants. That to is, man, those pants are so so tight. There's an honest to god moose knuckle going on in there, like <laughs> like that. That was the idea. Good like, Lord. yeah, it's Give literally like knuckle. skin tight. No, and no, yet he still take fights. these pants he was, back. He was still slim in those days. Yes. I mean, he still he had some beefy legs, yeah. though, like muscular. One of the things enough to fill out those pants, that's for sure. I I am obsessed with how obsessed you are with Steven Seagal's physique. You're like Kelly LeBrock here. You're like I'm just really curious. This is my first encounter. <laughs> it's a it's kind of drink it all in. Oh man, yeah, drink that milkshake. <laughs> oh yeah, she. We, I like when she. 
comes back and suddenly he's completely shaved himself and has the ponytail. He cut his hair <laughs> and has the ponytail and all slicked back. I'm fully I'm fully actualized Steven Seagal now, finally. Yeah. Um, so uh, now so now that he's reestablished his physical power, he has to what does he have to do? Well, he has to make out with uh, Kelly LeBrock and grab her <laughs> butt really quick. Um, but then, so like they're in love, great. But he, f- we should mention that she, she kind of, she comes in and like hits on him, and then he just grabs her, and then they, it's, and then whatever happens, adult stuff happens, and then, and then it cuts to him sitting and looking at his wedding ring, like all upset. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't oh, know, no, I betrayed my wife. I've got complex like, feelings. What about if he was this? just like, oh shit, that's right, I was married. <laughs> I mean, he was in a coma for seven years. Things could still be a little... Exactly. Like, he also, might be a little like, fuzzy. He literally, it's not like he was faking being in a coma for seven years. You wonder what that does to, like, what that does to a man, you know? <laughs> being in a coma for seven years. <laughs> he, even, he even says, to you it's seven years, but to me it's whatever he says. He has some line about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's acknowledged that he just had a wife a couple of days ago, but now he... Well, Kelly LeBron's <laughs> very attractive. Look, he's got to get the kinks out of the pipes. Okay? Somebody's, <laughs> got, somebody's got to grope that butt. I mean, give Kelly. me a break. It is, it is weird science. And she put on a nice, sexy dress and had a, had a rose and gives him a rose. Yeah, so she was really awkward about it. It's pretty consensual. Yeah, she seemed pretty... She wasn't being cryptic Hello, about anything. Hello, nurse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, I just thought maybe you'd like a... A, a good snog. A good rogering. A good snogging. Oh a, <laughs> a shagging. Shall we, shall we snog <laughs> and shag? rogering. Governor? Um, yes, so that so that business is out of the way, and then it's then it's vengeance time, and uh, and he also meets up again with uh, O'Malley and gets to and meets up again with his son. Oh yeah, he finds out that his son is alive. Finds out and that his son is school. alive, and o- O'Malley's like, "It's gonna be pretty weird, kid, but your father loves you, and he's the most unstoppable man I've ever met." So, are you and ready then- to have the most unstoppable dad? Ah, I got and killed. He is. He's not weird about it. The kid's like not. He just like he literally sees him, runs into his arms, yeah. jumps into his arms. It's Calls not weird pop. at all. It's Mason Storm. It's do, do we know that if the kid ever came to visit him in the hospital? I guess he would be. Well, maybe he was afraid. No, he, he told him hiding. that the kid, he told the kid that he was dead. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that was for his protection. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then he's like, "Oh, sorry, kid. I know things are getting pretty comp or getting pretty confusing for you." But then, but then O'Malley's really laying it on Where's thick. This guy you from? sound you sound like George Knapp from like Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. That was a hell of a cut there. That was deep. I listen to Coast. Bacon to pigs, oink oink. All right, ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Exactly. He's the guy from Wayne's World. That's about when the bad house sitting comes into play because the the dirty cops come to the ranch and they just shoot the place up and then he throws somebody through a china hutch and smashes on these breaks their arm on these faces. it's the one full-on breaking arm backwards that we get in this movie <laughs> and then he throws them into a china hutch it's amazing i think you have to get to marked for death to get multiple arm breakings i think there's like four or five in marked for death where he just pops someone's <laughs> elbow backwards i think he might do it to a leg too oh yeah very disturbing well, he does the leg in the liquor store in this one but it's not. Oh. It's, not, it's, it's a twist, which is pretty okay. disturbing. But it's always the joint going backwards that like, oh, yeah, yeah. really fucks me up. But then, so then, and then they take. I don't know if the jeep belonged to her or not. But they take the jeep. Oh, it's a they, cool jeep. jeep. I love break, that jeep. They break through a fence. The horse gets out. Mm. Horse may get killed by cops. I don't the know. Horse, <laughs> the, the horse. The horse goes on to take it down by cops. <laughs> Unloading their clips into it. And then they're driving away, and there's that bizarre like. ADR joke where there's because there's a milkman in the shot and you're going why is there a milkman in the shot and then you hear this voice go you forgot the buttermilk again Ernie or something like that 
What? It's a hallmark. It's, not very, it's kind of quiet, but it's like it's like there's nothing else going on in the scene, and that happens. It's like what? It's a weird hallmark of Steven Seagal movies that they use ADR a lot, especially in um, on Deadly Ground. On Deadly which Ground, he directed. So I think I assume it's his thing of like, oh, we gotta add it. There needs to be a, a funny line. joke in here. Someone saying something here. Get Patton Oswalt in here to punch this up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me get a team of comedy writers in here to get three lines that suck. Yeah. So uh, then the rest is all this fighting between him and the cops and like trying to prove his that he's innocent and that Yeah. But you get you get a hardcore action and then he st- he starts like eventually it comes down to William Sadler's house. And you get classic like bad guy being bad guy stuff where there's like a naked lady in a hot tub where he's like, get the fuck out of here, bitch. That you know, was really like, funny. Goes, Ooh, that guy's a bad guy. He goes, guy. we're not going to make it to the ballet tonight. Beat it. <laughs> Beat it. <laughs> she was, I, I like that. Well, he says that and then she kind of goes like, what? And he goes, get lost. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. <laughs> it's very Terry Silver. He's in a, in a hot tub drinking champagne with a babe. I, th- I thought he read a little bit Ben Gazzara in Roadhouse, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this the stuff in his house reminded me of 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 the house in Roadhouse. Yeah, and if yeah, if we're getting to the house part, then it turns into like a weird stalker movie. Where yes, Seagal. Have, did you write down what he finds on his toilet? Uh, this this is some <laughs> astonishing stuff because he only does it to the one guy. Some people he picks off, but I think this person deserved <laughs> particular amount of ire. And at one point, he writes on his toilet because he's writing messages for this guy. Yeah, as he, he has enough time to just like write on the wall like a goddamn serial killer, <laughs> <Yeah>. like somehow. <laughs> like the first in, message like, sca- like, in like scary handwriting. It's, like, <laughs> it's in red. Uh, the first message he sees is like the fear of death is more sc- frightening than death itself, and the guy's like, "Well, that's pretty scary." <laughs> and then he leaves, and it says like, "You're gonna die soon." And he's like, "Oh no!" And then there's like a it says "You're next," doesn't it? That's like it says movie, "You're next." That's yeah, right. the movie "You're Next" is actually based on. But this this is the part. Cause apparently, this guy was like the second the, same the secondary <laughs> henchman or something. But yeah. I didn't like. I was like, I guess he really hates this guy. Well, the guy he, the guy he kills with the pool stick. Yes, yeah, I think that's this is the, the guy, guy who shot yeah. his wife. This is the part that I That's thought was one. really funny because there's a lot of ADR. This is for my wife. When he gets yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> the the, the tone, the tonal, the tone is like all over the fucking place because they're having a showdown and this finally the, the, him and this guy facing off, and the guy says to Mason Storm, "You're still a loser." And you're like, "What?" Was he? I don't feel like we ever established that he was a loser. And then, uh, and then he Mason Storm does something like really awesome, and the way that this is paced out and edited is is really hilarious. Where Mason Storm does something like awesome and stops him, and then the guy goes, "I'm impressed." And just immediately after that, Mason Storm jams a pool cue into his chest and goes, "Die, you bastard!" <laughs> and then he goes, "This is for my wife." That's for my wife. Fuck you and die. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And then, and then. Very weird thing to say. The guy is dead. He was a, poli- a dirty police officer. He says, now you're a good cop. Okay. Because all good what? cops are uh-huh. good cops. Yeah. He's, well, he's not a cop Damn. anymore. He's retired or whatever. Yeah. Jeez. He's he's good cop. Turned, wow. That's turned a cat. That was, that was, that was yeah. not tight. <laughs> that's wild, man. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and then he, and then he finally he, he gets... Um, this is this is one of those classic Black Rain type scenarios mm-hmm. where the guy's like, I'm a killing machine, kill, kill, kill. All I want to do is kill, but now he's at the final bad guy. And he's like, but um, it would actually be worse for him to go to jail, so I'm going to restrain myself from killing. But don't you think he, he doesn't initially plan to? Like, he's going to, he wants to kill him, and yes. then, he, then the other cops show up and kind of talk him down. 
This is uh, no. I think he's decided. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. But he does. He a does hilarious. jam his shotgun into he his. He does mouth. a hilarious. Oh yeah, the, that oh, looks God. so painful. Yeah. That's so brutal. when that it's happened like at first, I've yeah. seen so many horror movies where shit like that happens and they're they're dead or whatever. So seeing seeing that happen really like shook me, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I thought at first that the guy was dead. Like he literally just killed him by shoving the shotgun like through <laughs> the back of like, his throat. Because I've seen that. Oh, yeah. I've seen that kill sure. before. But he just puts it in his mouth and then kind of leads, leads him around. Him around. <laughs> yeah, and he leads him around. His mouth's and all bleeding. And there's like blood smeared around. It like, was lipstick. really gross. It was very jarring. Here's another astonishing line. This is the thing that he says when he's trying to scare uh, Sadler. A nice petite white boy like you in a federal ten- penitentiary? Well, let me put it this way. I don't think you'll be able to stay anal retentive for long. Oh my god. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you can tell what his sense of humor is like from these parts because then also there's the like, we have to we have to make a joke about his dick being small by shooting. He, yeah, he <laughs> threatens to blow his dick off. <laughs> I remember being kind of like. Yeah, he, he pretends he's going to shoot him in the balls and then he's like, oh, I missed. I guess they weren't as big as I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> An odd thing to you say. Jerk. All across, you jerk. So you, you th- so you thought my you balls clawed? were big. Like, that's one of those ones where you can you can tell like he like he was so satisfied with. Oh yeah. Like man, I really should. <laughs> Same with the an- the anticipation of death thing. I think is like you definitely think this is a lot more cool than it is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just such a weird. And then think th- the the movie's like editing is just like all over the fucking map at this point. Uh, like William Sadler gets dragged away by the cops. Like we all, th- it's like a thing where like Mason Storm. You're right, Mason Storm's kind of going like I'm thinking about really, really thinking about killing him. Well, the cops are there and they're like, and they're like, don't do no, it, Mason, no, no. And they keep he keeps on saying no, but eventually he finally gets to the point and goes <laughs> like, we found all the evidence against him. He's going to jail for a long, long time. Like you just lead with that, dude. <laughs> just say that right yeah. off the bat. And he's like, all right, fine. He can go to jail. And then Kelly LeBrock like, runs up to him and hugs him, and she goes, I love you, Storm. And he goes, let's take a vacation. <laughs> no reciprocation there. It would have been cool if she came up to him. I love you, Storm. Did you notice that Senator has a really tiny dick? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I took a peek. <laughs> I took a peek. I was just curious. <laughs> it's just something I like to look at. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a sex of... thing. I just, I'm just really curious about what people look like. In the script that I read, he did kill him, and he did this cool move where he like flipped him and impaled his head on the on the grill of the fireplace cool. that was there. And Which then his kind hair, of gets and then recycled his hair, in Glimmer Man. Yes, it does. But then his hair caught on fire. Oh, and I'm no. sure that they were just like, I don't know how the fuck to do this scene. <laughs> like, and they're like, we got to come up with something else. But that would have been very cool. And they could have taken him to the blood bank. But mm. in the actual <laughs> movie, they just take him to prison instead of to the blood bank. I mean, take you to the bank, Senator. The pri- prison canteen <laughs> can- bank. bank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Hard to tell, so, man. Yeah. I just want to share the, this stupid story. Uh, maybe I'll cut it because it uh, has nothing to do with anything. But when are we talking about blood banks? There was one time <laughs> when I was a teenager and I was working at this park. And there used to be these ARP, these old men who from ARP that used to work for the park, too. ARP? You mean uh, American Association of Retired People? Yeah. They, and yeah, uh, okay. there was one guy, ARP. his name was Junior. Playing that kind of close to the ground on, on that one. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and uh, but I'd have lunch with them every day, and uh, this one guy named was Junior, who was like, eh, I don't know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and at one point, because he, he'd always just like have random topics that he would come up with, and he, at one point he goes, you know what would be the worst job to have? I was just thinking about this the other day. You know what would be the worst job to have? Janitor at a blood bank. <laughs> 
because just think about it. And I was like, no, I am thinking about it. And I don't think there's just blood all over the place. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he was just thinking think like, they, like blood is just pouring all over the place. I thought the about this. Bag. And I would rather be a janitor. <laughs> I would rather be a janitor at the spank place, at the porno place. <laughs> I would rather wop up people's jizz than the, the blood. Janitor at a blood bag. Like you just, like the I'm janitor sure would rather be the jizz mopper. It's a job because everything's so yes. sterile. Yeah. At the end of every day, there's just blood everywhere. And you're like, <laughs> oh, again, you get out your mop and like slob up all the now blood. Keep that's everywhere. Story in for sure. Ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I mean, if it was like calm or something, that would be okay. But <laughs> I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> this is a this is a part at the beginning, so everything's fine for Mason Storm. Uh, God rest his his uh, departed wife, but he's back together with his child, and he'll probably get married to uh, the British lady. Um, <laughs> None of you seem to be able to remember who she is. It's Kelly LeBrock. I know that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but this is this is a part where uh, this is some of the this this was really cracking me up uh, with Senator Trent and Trent. This is Trent like when he's doing his scheme at the beginning that Mason Storm is recording, and he keeps on saying almost literally kill people, but like dance. But he, the way that he dances around it is very funny. And it, it, this is uh, Sadler as Senator Trent. He's like, I want you to. And he wanted to. He wants to kill a senator. Apparently, that's his scheme. I want you to turn Senator Caldwell into a memory. I'm not waiting around for him to die of natural causes. <laughs> the next time I read about him, it better be in the obituaries. <laughs> he won't, he he's won't not quite it. there. I mean, I don't know if that stands up. It would have been perfect if he'd be like, if you catch my drift. <laughs> I don't want him alive. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it would be good if he were not alive anymore. If he stops breathing, I'd be happy. Uh, and this is another thing that uh, Senator Trent says when he's being dragged away by cops at the end. Who do you think? Who the hell do you think you're pushing around, you pea-brained Boy Scout? <laughs> That's really good I villain stuff. That. I just realized that we. S- it was my fault. I pushed us along and we skipped over my other favorite part besides the blood bank, mm. which is when he's talking to O'Malley. O'Malley brings him a gun. Oh. And they're, at <laughs> and they're at it someplace. And O'Malley's feeling bad because uh, he, he he did something wrong, I forget. And he's like, oh, no, you did the right thing. And then he says, we're outgunned. And we're, I, I wish I could say it. Sometimes I can say it word for word, but I'm going to screw it up. But he's like, we're, we're outgunned and undermanned. But we're gonna win. You know why? <laughs> superior attitude, superior, superior state, state of, of mind. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I thought it was fucking and badass. Like, and whatever it's about, we're we're gonna win. We're, we'll get him, buddy. Every fucking one of them. And then he um, then he unloads his gun into this log, and then I think it does a. Or maybe 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 the gun just acts That really reminded me of of. Nick Cage in Kiss of Death, where he was like, what does BAD stand for? He's like, balls, attitude, and determination. <laughs> and he's like bench pressing a hooker. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. That's Fucked at birth. Nah, yep. too negative. Superior attitude. Too negative. Yeah. Superior state. <laughs> Superior <laughs> attitude. And now he's like a motivational speaker. Like, there's yeah. like a whole new ripple to the to the Seagal thing. I did like, like that far out of the, the movie. Uh, the pea brain Boy Scout line, because I love... It's a thing that happens in so many movies like this where, like, the hero is cornered the villain and the, bo- the the villain is, like, trying to goad him. He's like, oh, you're so you're so right. You're doing the right thing, you and your justice, your your ideals. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing that you fought for. What, what do you want that for? It's, it's Embrace it's evil so like I me. have. Yeah, exactly. Evil is the way. It's so funny to me. Yeah. Like, uh, I always wanted to go, like, ah, oh, you're just a Boy Scout. You know what? You're right. 
Let's uh, let's join up. <laughs> <laughs> Evil sounds cool. Yeah, Evil do does it. sound cool. It's gonna be like if Luke Skywalker was like, "Yeah, okay, let's rule the galaxy as father and son." That sounds good. <laughs> there's uh, there's two props from this movie that I wish I could own. One is the like pop art style portrait of Senator Trent that he has in his mansion. <laughs> and then even better is the family portrait of of Mason Storm. Oh yeah. Did you oh, notice that on the screen? Yes. I did. Incredible. It's amazing. It's Somebody's amazing. got that somewhere. Damn it. That would make <laughs> a good t-shirt. Let me get you one of those, but it's going to be Leroy Neiman style, like the end of the Rocky movies. It's going to be that same <laughs> picture, but it's going to be painted in that style. Awesome. Jeez. Okay. Pretty you. cool, huh? That's yeah, really I'm sweet. sure I could get that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know where it can be gotten. Uh, ratings. Okay. Well, then uh, I'm going to give this three and a half Judds. I want to give it four Judds, but it was a three and a half experience for me. It's, it's still fun. Uh, I think it's like... I wish that it was like more exciting. To me, it was more just like a fun throwback. It slows down quite a bit in the middle. I mean, it's only ninety minutes. It's not like it's boring or anything. All of these yeah. movies, by the way, yeah. you guys are like from ninety-one to like ninety-six minutes long. It was perfect. It, it, I will. I will say this: it is like the platonic ideal of a nineteen ninety garbage action movie that yep. I would have like. These this kind of shit used to come out every weekend, and I miss those days. Absolutely. Um. So I'm not faulting it for being a little generic. It's sort of like, you know, it's like the way I love the rookie. It's like I admire its purity, you know? <laughs> uh I'm going to give it uh I'm going to give it like two Douglases because of the uh the weird the weird sex stuff seen with his with his uh, new girlfriend and also uh for Kelly LeBrock's obsession with people's genitals. <laughs> That's um, wild. It's very strange. Uh and I'm going to give it um what am I going to give it? 10 out of 10 traded coaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what they call cars in Spain. He yeah. switches out a lot of cars throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half as well because it's, yeah, like admiring its purity is very, I mean, this is this is a B movie. I never knew mm-hmm. that when I was a kid. Like watching it, because like, like, there couldn't be anything, when you're 12, there's nothing bigger than this. This is like the most violent movie I've ever seen. This is the, this is as glorious as getting. And I and I watched it like fifteen years later and was like, this is just this is a cheapo. <laughs> I miss <laughs> those days. Cheapo B movie. And I miss I miss I almost miss the reactions of my friends and my like my mom and dad and stuff. And I would see an ad for one of these on TV, and I'd be like, yeah, I want to see that. And they'd be like, you want to see what? Yeah. <laughs> like I remember specifically with a movie that uh, I'm sure you remember called The Perfect Weapon with Jeff Speakman. And I'm like, that looks cool. And my dad's like, who the fuck is Jeff Speakman? Like, you know, <laughs> he was like, they, they were like working down the ladder of guys who they could put in these movies and stuff. <laughs> and that movie's still pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's certainly a lot of nostalgia involved that it's going to be hard to untangle. But I mean, who cares? I watched it and I yeah. really enjoyed it. <laughs> Again, fun. I watched it on VHS, no less, because we just have it at the office. Wow. And it was you just really, like, you really committed. Uh, I mean, it really, it was a real br- a blast of like nostalgia endorphins or something. I don't know. I'd seen this movie a lot. Uh, I'm going to give it to Douglas's. I mean, it's not like any real nudity, but there's just, Seagal is just a sleaze bag, and you can't. He can't escape it. It's you. You see it in the movie when he's around ladies. You're just generally like, Ugh, oh no! He's like, <laughs> Someone's I just ass gotta is gonna grab get grabbed. That. Someone warn her. <laughs> like that. Like, his like the the sexy his wife, and he's just hold just holding on to her boobs. Just, I don't know how you uh, do it, but <laughs> well, you gotta hold. You just gotta hold gotta on. Gotta hold tight. on for dear life. <laughs> 
It's like this is about you have to know that like when they would when they would cut when they were shooting the scene, Skull would be like, This is the best part of my job or something oh, like god. that. And everyone would be like, Oh, oh god. god. Ugh, gross. All right. When uh well I'll talk about it. Do we it have later. to do another take of this? Anyway. And then I'm gonna give it um one, only one elbow bent backwards, uh, unfortunately. There would be more in later movies. Okay. I am also going to give this three and a half uh, Judds, sorry, I forgot where I am for a minute. Three and a half Judds, because, and not for the nostalgia reasons, because this is the first time I ever saw this movie, and I just thought it was a fucking blast. All right, that's good to know. It was, yeah, it was super fun, uh, very outrageous, um, but yeah, it did drag just a little bit, um, which is preventing it from getting the full four star or five star. Um, I'm gonna only give it one Douglas, because I don't think it was very sleazy, besides like, that ass grabbing, boob grabbing, and and dick peeking. <laughs> ass and grabbing, dick. boob grabbing, dick peeking, dick peeking, foot slapping, good time. <laughs> Welcome to Hee Haw, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to give it one out of one because it only needs one. Beautiful, released white horses. Oh. <laughs> one horses. They're free. Poetry. Yeah, one, one beautiful, released white horses. That's <laughs> how I talk. <laughs> Burn? Uh, I I gotta go five out of five. Yeah. Because <laughs> good job. Good job. I think and watching it, I've seen it many many times. But watching it again, I was just like, this maybe this is my favorite. Like I rotate between Out for Justice and On Deadly Ground as my favorite cigars. Mm. Uh, but like this one is just so has it's like like Matt said, it's got the that kind of great action movie structure and tropes that i love but it's a little bit crazier you know it follows it really well but also it just has all the bits of weird personality that other people don't yeah. do that it's just so fun and then just the come the blood bank and then and the superior attitude and like even things that we didn't get it into. reminded me of stone Training cold montage like yeah yeah it's you know and apparently baxley was approached to do this and he was like oh nah. really oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've probably known that before and forgot. But I mean, I kind of wish he'd done it because but it probably would have been even more, like, the stunts <laughs> would have been way better. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, five out of five Judds. Uh, I'll go maybe to Douglas's. It's not, yeah, it's, I agree it's not that much. But it is kind of weird the way that she's making dick jokes about him while he's been unconscious for seven years. And, <laughs> so, and they let the, the beard and the, and the hair grow. Who shaved his pubes? I think we no. all know. No, that was like. Yeah, <laughs> well, um, she like was checking on the growth. It. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a chia head down there. Yeah, but, and then just instantly going to his next uh, lover after mm-hmm. his coma. Like, but you know, that's not that bad. He looked and at then, his wedding ring afterwards. Yeah, oh, that's true. So never mind. <laughs> Whoops. Fine. And then I still say he just forgot. Ten out of ten Chuck Mangione cassette tapes. Yeah. In the tape deck in the car. Yeah. Bingo. There we go. Uh, All right, moving on. We took a long time with that one. Yeah. I think we kind of had to intro the whole Seagal thing, though. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot of just general Seagal knowledge yeah. on that. So now we can just... We have our context. Now yeah. we can just really uh, narrow our focus and talk about what needs to be talked about, which the is, of Glimmer course... The Glimmer Man from 1996, directed yeah. by John Gray. Who's a TV guy. To those he pursued, he was known only as the Glimmer Man. They'd see nothing but shadows... Then, a glimmer. Then. He's always followed his own path and worked alone until now. Uh, Mr. Lovebeads, you're going to have to seek high enlightenment somewhere else. Ow! 
they don't see eye to eye. This guy is weird. Put up the gun. I can't fight. This is not the time I want to hear that. I got soul! Well, a minute there, I forgot you told me you can't fight. So against my religion, I'm a dude. And I'm super bad. And they use different methods. Once in a while you should cry because, like, it cleanses the soul. If I need a cleansing, I have a brand muffin. Yeah. He uh, did Born to be Wild in 2004's Helter Skelter. Mm. This uh, this kind of hit the sweet spot of stuff like our wheelhouse. Yeah. However, <laughs> it's not a very good movie. I like this. I liked it probably <laughs> as much as Hard to Kill. Okay. It's the closest to fitting suspense is killing. Yeah, us. I think so because it has like the whole serial killer angle, which yeah. is ridiculous. And it also has a little buddy cop action, uh-huh, which uh-huh. we which we love over we here. We always love that. It's ex- it's ex- yeah, it's actually the closest probably of any Seagal movie as fitting our mm. our theme because th- I can't think of, I. I I'm not a obviously a literal Steven Seagal expert, but I can't think of many Seagal movies where he's like casing crime scenes, and like going, oh, "We got to find evidence and find out." He usually is just beating the shit out of people and like up against it. And this one, he, you see him, it just seemed, un- yeah, it seemed unfamiliar, like him walking onto like a murder scene and going, "Like, yeah. I'm a detective here." Yeah, and doing one of those CSI type of things where he's yeah. like staring at the wall and like everyone else has settled on this one thing, and he's like, "I don't know." There's something more. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, the part where yeah. he's like, they, they, there's some like like catchphrase or like a piece of evidence, and he's like, I want you to get that to every single prison in the country right now and get back to me. Somebody knows this guy. You know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that shit. This movie has no pretensions of being anything other than a movie that wants to get itself over with and hit all the beats. It, it is like, I love how this movie doesn't fuck around. Pacing's perfect, I think. All. Oh, man, this it's took me like, like two and a half hours to get really? through. <laughs> yeah, like I, a, I could not watch this in one I second. thought the really? pacing was great. I uh, thought it flew. It was over. To me, I mean, like the one of the first scenes, it's like two minutes in, I think there's a maybe some stuff from the, of the killing. You're like, oh my God, someone's crucifying people out there. This is very disturbing. And then the next scene is just Keenan Ivory Wayans walking in and, and then Steven Seagal's there and it's like, I guess we're going to work together. Let's go solve the crime. And then they go to a crime scene. You're like, shit, we're just doing this. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's like not paced well. All I'm saying is like it's it's so generic. Yeah. And like nobody's really doing anything great in it. It's poorly directed. And it's I was just like, oh. But it's written by the guy who wrote Constantine. <laughs> so it's got to be good. So it has to be good. I do love Constantine. <laughs> But anyway, so, so what's it about? Yeah. Uh, well, the family man, of course, is a is a serial killer that's out there, and I feel like they maybe should have like waited and f- come around with a better, <laughs> scarier nickname than the family man. It's weird that oh, wait, Steven Seagal what... has the cooler the cooler nickname than the actual killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and scarier, no less. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he kills families. I don't know the family man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it'll stick. But that's also, fine. he he. Not, it's not only families, but he nails them to the wall and does religious symbols. Crucifixes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you'd think there would be some sort of religious nickname. Like yeah. the Jesus boy. Yeah, exactly. The Jesus boy would have been boy. great. <laughs> yeah, the fa- Pontius Pilate. <laughs> the Jesus family man The family boy? man, and it turns out it's Vin Diesel is the killer the whole time. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Yeah, no, these murder scenes, though, are kind of fucked up. And by kind of, I mean really fucked up. Like, they, the killer literally, like kills these these family well, he members shoots them in the head and, and then, then he cru- and then arranges them like up on the wall in like a crucifixion stance this guy's yeah. sick in the head he's sick in the head i tells you uh and uh this that, this stuff all gave me resurrection vibes so 100%. you know i'm always on board yeah uh, resurrection was a movie have you seen that before 
No, I know what it is. I yes, Christopher, it. we it's did it uh, uh, during the yeah, Kevin era, movie, yeah. and it's one of my favorite bad movies ever, Christopher Lambert movie, like a seven ripoff, and the killer is it's hacking a, it's off. It's spectacular. It's so funny, and the killer is hack, is cutting people's body parts off to reassemble the body of Christ. Oh, so, That's cool. his, so good. Isn't that fucked up? It's like that sort of thing. Like, that movie is the most amazing, like, straight up and down seven knockoff. It's like, there's a scene like this in seven, so we need one of these. Yeah. Like in the like, there's that scene in the diner where he's talking to Leland Orser, and it's just like the same exact hilarious, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but but this is the, that sort of yeah. thing. That's what makes this stand out as different from other Seagal movies. Is like, even though it's only a year after Seven, so they must have written it not no, having seen Seven. No, yeah. clearly yeah, like so, trying yeah. to the opening credits have like crappy font stuff on it that's yeah, trying to yeah. look like Seven, and then it's like <laughs> it's even though it's in L.A., it's constantly raining. Like they, almost m- they remark and on they it. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. The weatherman's like, it's been an unseasonable amount of rain in oh, L.A. And then later we get some gorgeous, like, pink L.A. smog too. Oh yeah, so nice. That's the stuff. Uh, but like, <laughs> hey, it's, the movie isn't tone. Like the plot wise is maybe a little bit like Seven, but tonally it's not. It's going for um, like breezy, More of a buddy, breezy, cop, bu- breezy yeah, buddy cops. That's stuff. what's really weird about it. It's like this gloomy, kind of gross, sleazy serial killer thing and then it's like but also it's a funny buddy movie and they say yeah. funny stuff to also keenan ivory waynes is in it so yeah. you know it's gonna be funny <laughs> yeah keenan ivory waynes i think that was a good choice uh, keenan ivory, ivory waynes isn't gonna be like pushed around by steven seagal <laughs> yeah, that's like he's, he has he, ha- he displays the right amount of incredulity yeah about the situation but also like <laughs> he looks like he's so bored <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure he probably wasn't. It uh, wasn't like didn't consider this the pinnacle of his career or anything like that. But uh, like Steven Seagal like, is a guy that likes to bully and intimidate his like co-stars and cute in every way. And like, like I grew up with all of the Wayans <laughs> brothers. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oldest of the Wayans. I'm the leader of the Wayans brothers. I cannot be pushed around. Yeah. I created an iconic TV show. And exactly. like, it's fucking Keenan Ivory Wayans. He's a he's a legend. He's, he's Jack Spade. Mm-hmm. He's Jack Spade for sure. He's shame. And he's. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite Keenan <laughs> Ivory Wayans. Can film. we do Shame someday? Low Down Dirty Low Shame. Low Down Dirty Shame. It's more of a comedy. Yeah, it is true. What's Steven Seagal's uh, character's name in this? That the Glimmer Man. John well, Hank no, Glimmer Man. Like John Cale or something like Cole. Cole. Jake Cole. Cole. Yeah, no, nothing. Something not Cole. particularly interesting. Like Jack Cole or some <laughs> shit. Peter <Okay>. Glimmerman. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be Hank Glimmerman. But we find out later that we don't uh, know he's the Glimmer Man until later. That's what I see. That was driving me crazy. <laughs> of like, so the killer's called the Family Man, so, but the movie's called the Glimmer. And then, but at least they get Brian Cox to deliver the monologue <laughs> yeah. about like, and all you'd see was a glimmer, and you're like, okay, <laughs> then well, you'd be dead. At least they got the right guy to deliver that shit. So, but at first, all we know is he's a cop who's come in from what do they say he's from another department or something? Because he's never met him. He has Ke- a shadowy past. Keenan Ivory Wayans comes into this office and he's sitting there and he goes. Will Mr. Love Beads, you gotta get out of you gotta seek enlightenment somewhere else or something. He just assumes he's a random guy in the <laughs> But I think Mr. Love Beads would be a good title. That's what they should have called the serial like, killer. Hank Mr. Love Beads. He is wearing all these like prayer beads and shit but, around his neck. Yeah, but then they realize he's like come to they have to work on the case together and so they play up the Seagal uh like cultured stuff. He's so already to, wearing this to, to ridiculous yeah. jacket. Yeah, he's wearing. That's why you think he's called the gl- the Glimmer Man because his shirts are all shiny. And stuff. <laughs> I think the shirt's way more weird than the beads. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice the beads until way after like the shirt, the whole shirt situation. Very funny. <laughs> like, what is with this shirt? You're a and cop. They, you like, 
Yeah. yeah, and people make like I think it's the only one where like the bad guys make fun of his ponytail and stuff when he's fighting. Them. <laughs> they, I think I have it. <laughs> like, they, they say something very specific about ponytail. it. Yes, yeah, sensitive <laughs> ponytail. That's right. That's okay. That's what pops into my head when I see a guy with a ponytail. Oh, sensitive. Mm. Must be sensitive. So his past is it's mysterious, but it's like, you know, I don't know. He was in the, like the military. He was in different departments and everything, but no one can find anything like from before he was. Like, well, no one. It's knows also where heavily he implied that he's the operating under an alias too, because yeah. he's oh, yeah. that shady. Exactly, and they can't find anything yeah. beyond. Because Cox is like, that's what you're calling yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Later, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, and they this know each the, other and stuff. But also, he brings Keenan Ivory Wayans to a Chinese herbal. <laughs> medicine place this is so funny this leads to a, a running ties in with hard to kill with yeah. Re- yeah that's right this leads to a running gag that i genuinely found funny <laughs> throughout the whole the, movie the, the powdered, the powdered deer, deer penis, deer penis that, they, that, they hit, that they hit three times yeah. and i have to say maybe maybe guiltily but it did make <clears> me laugh especially the, the last time the la- well the last time i mean my i don't want to i, I don't want to be like uh, i'm not trying to be ironic <laughs> when i say that my favorite part of this movie was the the when, when it was over yeah <laughs> Like I don't mean that in a negative way, really. It's like it, that last shot of the movie, like Keener Ivory Wayans is like, "Hey, man, I don't ever want to see you again," and all this stuff. They put him into the ambulance, and the ambulance is driving away. And the last shot of the movie is just Steven Seagal. Like, first he does the deer penis line, and then it's just like you, the camera pulls away from him, and he's just staring at you the whole time. <laughs> wow. It was horrifying. <laughs> Well, yeah, he like like the whole idea is this culture clash because uh, Steven Seagal is was a guy who was in the Vietnam War, uh, and he was like the ultimate killing machine, of course, classic Steven Seagal ar- archetype. Brian Cox was like his handler, I suppose. Like Brian Cox is always the handler of ultimate killing machines in movies. He, only in three other movies has he been that. It's in X Men. He's Wolverine's oh, yeah. ultimate killing man. He's the That's ultimate true. killing machine handler in the Bourne movies. And I believe he's also an ultimate killing machine handler in The Long Kiss Goodnight. But, oh yeah, that might be, I was going to say this is before those. I think this but might be af- before. This maybe is the origin after. of his is this after killing Long Kiss machine Goodnight? handler thing? I'm not sure. It's around the same time. Either way, but he they loves. Got, they got the idea for the Bourne movies from the Glimmer Man. I like to think so. I think they, they got a lot and of stuff books. from the Bourne movies from the Glimmer Man. The books were copied from the Glimmer Man. Too. <laughs> <Yes>. The Glimmer <laughs> identity. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like the as, as as someone says, he went native, and this is so this is so you can get like the whole story. The whole this guy's whole deal is like while he was in Vietnam or Cambodia or whatever, he went native and like got got taken in by medicine healers and and such and that's that's why he does all this all these cultural signifiers of like asian culture and that's why he speaks the language and can go into the the the, uh, the asian store and know about powdered deer penis and stuff like and that and joke around with the he joke, staff there joke around with the staff and uh and and then so there's like a cultural a culture clash i guess yeah i, I mean I, I mean that's how you do a buddy movie you yeah be so uh keenan everyone's this is his new partner they get paired together to be on the case to figure out who the family man is. And then when does this uh, school shooting thing happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's. Yeah, there's... they're just driving. It's early on. And they're just driving around and they hear a call over the yeah. radio. And he and he's like, oh, yeah, we're by there. We'll take it. And Keenan Ivory's is like, we're not even on that. We're homicide detectives. It's like not even their job. Yeah. But he wants to go. And then coincidentally, it is tied into them. Yeah. So they go and there's <laughs> this there's this kid with a gun, like holding everyone in this classroom hostage, which is interesting. I feel like, I mean, this is before Columbine and shit. This yeah. is like kind of a weird early, uh, eerily early depiction of like 
teens with guns in classrooms. Anytime that that happens in one of these older movies, you're always like, oh, whoa. Yikes, this is normal now. <laughs> they wouldn't do it this way now. And the kid is Johnny Strong, who is in the Fast and the Furious, the first one. Oh, really? And oh, wow. he's like the only member of the of the crew who survives that movie who has never returned in any of the sequels for some oh, reason. Oh, man, but that's got to like feel a, weird. But he's like a DTV action star. Oh, cool. I saw oh, I saw one that unfortunately was really bad recently, but he's he's like much cooler now than he was when he was in that movie so it's very I, I don't know why he didn't come back maybe it's love a glow up That's yeah good. but anyway maybe they're waiting until like the 11th or 12th one or something to bring Johnny and, and then they'll say Johnny Strong from the Glimmer Man <laughs> so basically what happens in this teen this this teen with a gun scenario is like his girlfriend's trying to break up with him or something and he's being all weird was there something else why he was like, he's like I don't want to go back to him yeah is he what he keeps saying like, while he's waving like, a gun around yeah, in the classroom yeah like a priest says that he broke up with his girlfriend, but then it seems to actually be about his dad, right? Yeah. We find out. Who we find out is an evil, rich guy. This random school shooting thing that Steven Seagal just on a whim decided to, it ties into the whole plot. And so Steven Uh, Seagal like tackles uh, the kid with the gun like through a window, over an alley, and through another window into another room. This is the sort of thing that I would (laughs) generally like. In this movie, I had to rewind it and watch it again to figure out what happened, because it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) They don't edit it very well. Because the idea is that there's two buildings next to each other, uh, high he jumps rises, from one window into and he the other tackles window. him from one window and then they fly through the air and then crash through the other window but the middle shot is too short and if you like literally blink you'll miss it and you're just sort of like so wait a minute there was another it kind of looks like they're just jumping into another room i don't know which i, I guess the, which they are it just but doesn't it's look building. very good and there's a weird tonal shift like maybe it's because we're taking more seriously because of the Columbine thing you mentioned but yeah. like, it's like it goes from like this kid has taken the whole class hostage and then there's this joke where after he jumps him through the window then like the girlfriend goes I love you Johnny and he goes I love you too and then Seagal is like I love you too or something yeah, like that yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, we got jokes we're joking I again. do think that that <laughs> Well, that's kind of what I was like getting at is these early depictions of like student shootings and mass shootings like around children or teens or whatever. I think any scenes like that, any type of humor, like jokes trying to get into it now, we're like, we all have the PTSD from it literally happening every single day. And this was before this was like a, a normal thing in our media. So yeah, I don't know. It it hits different, as the kids say. Yeah, at this point, it's like, can you imagine a kid kid waving a gun around in a classroom? That'd be a novel thing. That'd be. We could have a joke in here, and everyone will laugh. Yeah, it's it, the whole scene is kind of played lightly, like yeah. a, like a Dirty Harry or early scene in a Dirty Harry movie, yeah. where like yeah, we exactly. could see Dirty Harry do his thing in his unconventional way. Uh, but in this case, it's attempted school shooting. <laughs> but his the. The difference from Dirty Harry is that he's trying to be peaceful and putting down his gun and showing that he can just because he's did I, did we cover that really that he's supposed to, he's supposedly kind of a pacifist. Oh yeah, he yes. says this like this against my religion. Yeah, this is part of his uh, omnivorous uh, spirituality that he always <laughs> has. But uh, he, this is what he says when Keenan Ivory Wayans like, why do we give a shit about some this or whatever? And he goes, we got to have compassion for the dead, the dying, the could be dying, and the about to be dead. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That's that's his whole deal. That's like the gag behind him is that he's like, namaste, and I'm about peace. And But then when it goes to, it comes down to it, he will Namaste. Namaste. He has a fire credit, today. He I'm has like, a credit card with a blade that pops out of it. So Dude, that's the coolest <laughs> shit. 
forever. That's shortly after this, I believe. Shortly after. Well, first, let's cover... But then everybody pretends that he just has a credit card. Like, we see the blade, and everybody else is like, he killed it with a credit card. I can't believe it. He's like, well... Yeah, I wonder if that was an argument where they're like, that just doesn't make sense, and then, like, added it in, like, the blade part, because... Which, but he steals that bit from Heat. Oh, does, is there Burt Reynolds kill, gets the guy with oh, the credit he, card yeah, in that yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I thought but, that credit card thing was familiar. Yeah. It's also how Shibumi kills people. I don't know if any of you guys uh, have ever Shibumi. read the book Shibumi by Trevanian. I, I have read those books. But Shibumi is exactly a Steven Seagal kind of guy. He's like a, a white dude who... Yeah. Uh, well, picked Tre- up a Trevanian bunch of Asian culture. Tends to this day that those books are meant as parody. Yes, I absolutely I, I, I not true. That. <laughs> There's absolutely no fucking way that's true. I don't. Mind. <laughs> he's like it's like a guy realized his stuff years later was like shitty, and Pretty he's silly. like, I, was, I, I meant it as a goof. Yeah, but anyway, but Shibumi like kills people with pieces of paper and all that. Like, okay. like that's his old deal. Uh, you would, ha- have you read those? No. I, I would recommend them to you. They're very funny. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of stuff was influenced by Shibumi, yeah. <laughs> including maybe including a lot of Steven, Steven Seagal. Yes, <laughs> uh, he, there's a good chance Steven Seagal read Shibumi at a formative time in his life. Uh, but anyhow, uh, yeah, also this is this is Shibumi. just another uh, another random scene where he kills all those people with the credit cards, right? He says right before it, he says, "I've got cash, or you could take." Plastic. <laughs> <laughs> this is really funny. I did though. like that that guy. I don't know if you guys mentioned it when I was out of the room, but the guy is, he's like, "What do you want?" The guy's like, "You dead." <laughs> That's good. Succinct. Yeah, Brevity is stuff. the soul of wit. I love that. But like this, what at this scene? It's just like a bunch of gangsters like come up on them both. Is this random or does this also I, mysteriously tie into it the? It ties plot? into I the whole remember. thing. It ties into the whole thing because the the serial killer stuff is is a cover for. Brian Cox and uh, uh, Bob Gutton to do their like w- wipe the f- wipe the slate of all their witnesses and stuff. Well, there's there's a real ser- serial killer, and then they're trying to fake they're copying their, his yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so they're trying to like slide into this guy's DMs essentially. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's actually an interesting plot, I yeah. think, to like to- take because like, Tobo use is a the serial, serial killer. killer. Yeah, and they're using his crimes and copying them to cover for. Killing witnesses. Stephen Toblowski of the Toblowski Files yes. is the, the the serial killer. Yes, it's Tobo, and then but Werner uh, Brandis. Werner Brandis, his, his voice is his passport. Uh, but but uh, the they the bad guys have also in this case hired the goons to uh, kill Stephen Seagal and Keenan every way. Hired goons, but he's still hard to kill. Yeah, <laughs> still hard to kill, indeed. Uh, but the, I, I don't know. That plot could be interesting. I suppose it's like the living daylights of Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> it's a little confusing. Yeah, things we know about Keenan Ivory Wayans. He's allergic to incense, so he needs to use powdered deer penis. His favorite movie is Casablanca, and which Steven Seagal, which he has apparently never seen. That's about it. But then like, he starts to act like, no, of course I've seen it, and then it seems like he's kidding about that. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very weird. You used to see a scene where, where Keenan Ivory Wayans is watching Casablanca and bawling his Sobbing. eyes out, and he's really yeah. crying, and you're like, damn, Keenan Ivory Wayans. And then he's embarrassed that he cried, and he's trying to cover it up. Yeah. It's like, I wasn't crying. I was, just, I was just cranking it. That's odd to me, where he's like unabashedly like, I love old movies. My favorite movie yeah, is Casablanca. Yeah, he's in the theater watching like a screening of Casablanca. Yeah. You're already there. He doesn't dude. have yeah. a problem telling people to Steven Seagal or anybody, my favorite movie is Casablanca. I don't cry, though. Like, just, yeah. you know, that, that's fine. I wonder if it was written like he's supposed to be kind of like this nerdy guy and then he was like no i'm not gonna play it like that i'm i'm willing yeah. to bet i'm willing to bet a little bit of money that uh i mean i know the movie was rewritten because they wanted they they, they cut the budget so they rewrote a lot of stuff to go small yeah 
But I bet you also having Keenan Ivory Wayans like in your movie on the set, he's like, well, what if uh, I want to give myself a bit of business here? Yeah. So like, let's do it like this. I could see that. It's fine. It, I, I don't find it to be like distracting or, or like, like too weird or anything. That that seems pretty funny. Uh, the the powdered deer penis I did think was like the the initial joke was very was very standard where they're in the um the Asian supplies store mm-hmm. whatever you call it and uh, and you get the classic yes it. you get the classic jokes where he's like hey, you know this is a thing that's gonna be gross to you and he's like ew and then the next one is like put this thing under your tongue that'll help with your with your sneezes and you're just going like, all right, what's this going to turn out to be? Something gross. And he's like, that's powdered deer penis. And he's like, ew, powdered deer penis. And you're like, ha, 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 ha. But then a little bit later on, ca- just like casually, while Keenan Ivory Wayans is like talking to some lady, like some secretary or something like that, he sneezes and she goes, oh, do you want like a Sudafed or whatever? And he goes, no, I'll just suck on some, he just casually says, I'll just suck on some deer penis later on. And then he like realized, I, I don't know, I thought the execution of the joke was pretty funny where he wasn't, he was just like, oh, no, I do suck on the Chinese deer. Pe- I do suck on the deer penis now. And uh, oh shit, I f- forgot that that's weird. Yeah, I said the loud part quiet. And then the quiet the part very- loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he has a whole bunch of it at his apartment. He has a lot. Making fun of him for it. He's potentially a, like hooked on this stuff to He's a just devastating rails degree. Of it. It's frankly too much. <laughs> Chinese deer penis, whatever it is. Well, but you then know, the you know what that stuff's from. <laughs> yeah. You know where that deer penis has been. <laughs> But it it does the trick apparently. That's what I say to my dog when I give her food, and she just like doesn't even like she just it inhales it. I'm like, you don't even know where that's been. What? (laughs) Savor it a little bit. Do a little investigating. (laughs) Sniff around. That dog will eat a pine cone. Well, what do they know? My dog. I give her those bully sticks. Those things are supposed to last like hours. She just eats them. (laughs) And this is a little dog. (laughs) It's ravenous. (laughs) Insane animal. Um, but yes, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans is ravenous for deer penis, and then that's and he loves that was Casablanca. The original title of the movie, <laughs> ravenous for, for deer, deer penis. penis, and it was Keenan Ivory Wayans is <laughs> is <laughs> exactly <laughs> that was before they got Seagal on board. Kind of like Hard to Kill was broken backwards bones thing. <laughs> they changed I, that title too. We're changing the title. I think you can definitely tell that Seagal is into like I'm gonna riff and be funny with this guy, and he's actually better than he sometimes is at doing that. Yeah, but he's still you can still tell that he's kind of. He's not a super funny guy. This is the funniest <laughs> Steven Seagal is opinion. ever going to be. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, on Deadly fine. Ground's pretty amazing. I mean, on purpose. Into, like, sure. Yeah, making jokes. Yeah. He, he is literally trying to be funny in this movie. Like, his character, like, and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even, like, some competition, because Keenan and Ivory Wayans is like, oh, so you got a comedy guy, like, famous comedy guy? Yeah. Well, I'm good at that, too. I'm, I'm funnier than he is. I speak 47 languages. <laughs> With any luck, I have found the grail already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, but he, like, I think he's like trying to be the even funnier one a lot of the time because mm-hmm. he's got like all the choice, like one-liners, mm-hmm. and he's always like bullying him with his embracing of his own culture. Yeah. Because Steven Seagal will be like, "You should try this uh, deer penis, this powdered deer penis." Yeah, you like that deer penis? Ha ha ha! This is the kind of stuff I'm into. And then later on, he's into it, and he's like, "Oh, you like the deer penis, huh?" And you're like, "You, th- this is yeah. your deal, man. What do you?" That's, that's kind of like the for? way my dad used to do shit to me. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. He, I noticed the bullying too. Like, this is like, skipping to the end again, but like when you like basically at the end, he has this. Keenan Ivory Wins has a speech about like, "No, I'm not happy. I my and like his apartment was blown up, and." 
he got <laughs> shot and like he lists all the things that happened in the movie which are totally true like yeah. happened to him and then Seagal just kind of like jokes about it and then it just ends he's and like but like, you did get to try the deer penis that's the last yeah. the last one he goes you get, at least you got to try the powdered deer penis I like it when seems his, uh, like you're supposed to laugh about like <laughs> his whole his whole life is totally ruined <laughs> there, there's a moment yeah. like that earlier in the movie too after Keanu uh, Ivory I wanted to say Keanu Ivory waits for a second <laughs> Whoa, that's now a that's up. a terrible Saturday Night Live sketch from about 15 or 20 years ago huh uh, anyway <laughs> his apartment gets blown up which is a really funny scene where they have like a big CGI fireball that like chases him out of the building yeah but boy, uh, they, oh boy. they go to they go back to the the burnt out husk of Keenan Ivory Wayne's apartment to find a piece of evidence that miraculously did not get charred to pieces and Steven Seagal's like, you used to live in this shit box? <laughs> and it's like, man, it this wasn't guy's always... entire life was just blown up. I mean, and like, it was a nice place, too. It was yeah, a very it was a nice. nice place. Yeah. I'm always, when, it's like, where's your empathy, man? We've covered <laughs> we've covered so many times in this movie where somebody lives in, a absolute, in an absolute palace. Mansion. And someone's like, what a fucking dump. How do you live like this? Yeah, just on our, last, always on our very like, last episode, they we would, had that one. They would cost like $5,000 in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. How do you live with only five bedrooms in Manhattan? Like, yeah. how do you? I can't even imagine. It's like somebody walking into the apartment from Kimmy and going like, "What a shithole!" I know it'd be so refreshing to see someone actually walk into like a tiny shitty apartment and call it shitty in one of these movies. Yeah, like Kimmy. Kimmy should have lived in an apartment. Oh my god, <laughs> a utility studio or whatever yeah. they call it. So I technically live in a luxury studio. <laughs> Is it luxury? It's about as big as the room we're in now. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the main the main bad guy in this is Mr. Pritchett from uh, Broken Arrow. Well, of course, making probably his fifth appearance more on our famous show, for which Sh- I Hudson, counted. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I counted. This is his fifth time appearing on the proper show. Seven, if you count wow. Patreon appearances. Not bad. Not bad. And he's playing the character that he plays. Well, as soon as he shows up, you're like, he's in on it. He's a bad guy. <laughs> At one point, Steven Seagal. Guy, right? Say what? That's the rich dad. Yes. the rich dad. He is the father of the kid who was waving the gun around in class, and he's the, also the head of the. Did whole. we clock Nikki Cox as the girlfriend? I didn't mention that. No, I didn't know. I told them about Johnny Strong being the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I when I when I uh, was watching this the other day, and Nikki Cox turned up, I immediately Googled to see if she'd accused him of sexually harassing her at any point. <laughs> I oh, couldn't wow. find any evidence that she had, <laughs> but I was like, uh, if anybody's got a story about that, I bet she does. And I just, you know. Uh, well, uh, at one point, uh, Steven Seagal is talking to Mr. Pritchett. What's Bob Gunton? Bob Gunton. Gunton. Uh, and he says, now get your ugly white ass out of here and don't come back. Jeez. And he's just like, what? His, he probably was trying to fit in with Keenan every way. And he's like, that's something Keenan would say. <laughs> I bet Keenan would like this. <laughs> it's a very strange thing to say. <laughs> uh, so then they go to... Um, Bob Gunton's henchman, by the way, who's kind of, he's kind of like one of the main antagonists to Steven Seagal in the movie, and he's just not very good. Yeah, I, I can't even remember. He's creepy, though. He looked like... I didn't look up... I don't remember who he is. He looks like he'd be an Alien 3 or something. He's I believe like he is the the um, head doctor in Alien 4. Not Brad oh, Dourif, okay. but the other guy. But I could I be wrong about subconsciously that. subconsciously in my... Not bad. He anyway. Seems, he seems like more of an Alien 3 guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't know. He gets a great death scene, but I just didn't think he was very credible as uh, someone who could take yeah. on Steven Seagal. Yeah. Who could, though? He's yeah, the most uh, unstoppable man I've ever son known. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch I've ever known. <laughs> uh, they go to a coroner, and uh, there's a like bunch of- say a corn concert. They go to a corn <laughs> concert. They How play. stoked would you have been corn if man. there's a scene set at a corn <laughs> show? So oh, they better play clown. Uh, 
And uh, there's a bunch of naked... <laughs> Second encore. Bam. <laughs> there's a bunch of naked lady, dead ladies, of course. And I was really, really disappointed because no one was eating a big sandwich or smoking a cigarette. No. Every time they <laughs> go to a... I, pl- yes. And I love when they do that at the morgue. How, how do you leave that on the table? So, yeah. <laughs> at so the very least, the have them smoking a cigarette. I did like, though, that isn't there a bit where they're like, the, the, the coroner is like giving them some good details about stuff, and then they ask him kind of a relatively simple question. He's like, what the fuck do I know about it? I'm just the coroner. <laughs> no, 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 no. What happens is he starts, this, this, is, this is classic cliche stuff, though. We don't get the sandwich or the cigarette, but he is being too much of a nerd for the cops. Oh, right, right. In saying, English. He's saying stuff like lines of distension across the duodenum or whatever, and then <laughs> uh, and then he goes, Keenan Ivory Wayans gets a funny line, right. a very, very funny line, where he goes, if you don't say it in English, I'm going to beat you to death with a dictionary. He says that to another human being, to his face. Uh, I mean, they're already in the morgue, and so Stephen, and they're like trying morgue. to identify one of these ladies that Leopold. they're like Russian sex workers or something. Wait, I think. I've been waiting for what? Travis to get to this part. Yeah, well, this, this is, good. is this is <laughs> this is the pretty part. wild. <laughs> and Stephen Seagal's like, "Well, I'm the smartest one here, so how about we do this?" And he cuts one of the dead ladies' big boobs. Oh, by the way, the line is, of course, someone goes like, "These tits are nice," and he goes. A little too nice, <laughs> oh, dude. About a dead woman's breasts, and uh, this and is, then he- this is one of the best, uh, like unfortunate, disgusting morgue scenes since Bad Boys Two. <laughs> I mean, it re- immediately reminded me yeah. of that shit. Uh, and so he cuts open the boob and pulls out uh, an implant. Mm-hmm. And he's they're going to use the identification number on the implant to, f- to find the woman. And you're now that's like, detective work. <laughs> they actually do <laughs> cut to David Caruso taking off his sunglasses. <laughs> I, I like Looks like the- she's going to be. A handful. Yeah, there you go. There we go. I just like the nice. uncomfortable place he's put the corner in of like, there's, he should be like, oh, you, you're hey, not supposed to don't, do not You can't touch that. that. Well, the coroner would have said something, but he was eating a sandwich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. I'll beat you to death with a dictionary. So We're nasty. both going to beat you to death. Uh, so, yeah, that's gross, but somehow that, that helps them with their investigation mm-hmm. of the crime. They identif- Yeah, they use the serial number. They use the serial number. Or at number. least he says to do that. I don't know if that ever comes up again. Um, at one point, Keenan Ivory, I'm, I was, I'm losing the, we basically already laid out the plot of the thing, like yeah. the two, Bob Gutton, Gunderson and the other guy are using, he, he eventually <laughs> kills Tablowski, and this yeah, happens they, like a little down, bit yeah, after yeah. the halfway mark, so you're kind of like, He figures out who the actual killer is and finds him at a Catholic church and it's Stephen Tobolowsky. And it immediately he like pulls out a gun and has a confrontation instead of, you know. So he doesn't, there's no questioning that that's the actual guy. Mm-hmm. Tobo tells a story that during the, have you, you know this one? I yeah. was hoping someone the, was going to bring During the up. making of this movie that Seagal had decided that he didn't want to kill Stephen Tobolowsky's character because he, he wanted to practice some nonviolence. And Tobo had to talk him into it by saying that since he was a Buddhist that he would be reincarnated after after Sakal kills him, and he, he bought that, allegedly. <laughs> That's great. That's one of the le- <laughs> one of the less pleasant, uh, unpleasant yeah. Stephen Sakal stories, right there. It's a very strange one. <laughs> that's not like he didn't get assaulted by him or anything like that. So <laughs> yeah. that's pretty good. But it's just funny because it's like he doesn't like. How does the plot continue if he doesn't kill <laughs> yeah. him? So he and they're in this awkward situation where Tobolowski has to be like, I gotta convince him that yeah it has to be done. And, and, with... and it's still a thing where like he doesn't. He's trying not to kill the guy, you know. Yeah. And then and then he has to. Yeah, well, it's the classic yeah. classic movie trope where there's a guy down him. on his knees, yeah. and the and, the, yeah. and then the cops going like, "Actually, I'm going to choose the path of 
nonviolence, but like the the audience wants to see the guy get blown away, so the guy has a gun, it is like tucked into his sock or something, and then you know it's. it's Tobo actually sells it too, is like this guy is like a, a poor wretched soul, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, he really is. He's going for it. He's good in the scene. He's yeah. Not- uh, but then there's like well, a lot more movie to go after that. Yeah, yes, there is. Uh, there's uh, Steven Seagal gets implicated because one of the ladies who gets crucified and nailed up to. Oh, by the way, that's happening, and gets crucified and nailed up to the wall above her bed. He, Steven Seagal wife. walks in and looks at her and goes, Ugh. and then he actually pulls on his collar <laughs> yeah. a little. A little steam comes out. Yikes! And then it doesn't even tell us until a couple of scenes later. Yeah, he just Why? sees this woman who turns out to be his the mother of his children. <laughs> He's like, hmm, how about that? That's and not we, great. We did not know that he had children or. And or a family, right. but yeah. he seems relatively unfazed for yeah. the rest of the film. Well, he co- he and goes then home. also he goes to the woman who's with his children. Even having seen this multiple times, I still forgot that that's his wife. Yeah. Like later, it's referred to like you got to tell my wife, and I'm like, wait, that was his wife? Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't seem. It's astonishing. You <laughs> cannot believe it. Your brain will not register this information. No, I had to rewind it. It's one of the reasons this movie took me so long to get through is because I went back and was like, oh, okay, okay. She looks she looks like she's probably about 24, and then and she's just like a sunny-looking young woman, and she's like, oh, hi, and he, and he comes in, and you're like, oh, all right, so he's like her grandfather or her <laughs> uncle or something like that, and then they, like, kiss, and you're like, why are they? Why is the uncle kissing the... Kiss wait a minute. <laughs> so that's how it is in their family. You're just like, this, come on, Who's guys. Who's the real family? Man here. Hello. <laughs> so then they start unpeeling the fire today. Onion I'm layers of, about of it, yeah. whatever his name is. is <laughs> I should know, I should know his name. Steven Seagal's name? Yeah, but they, they Cole. It's Cole. Cole, I believe. I think it's John or Jake. But then Cole this one it starts revealing like, oh, his his past is more complicated than we knew before. And Brian Cox has a big. He's telling the. the he's rich like guy, he used to do some odd jobs for us in the company. <laughs> We called it the program. It's very generic <laughs> shit. Yeah, he makes a big speech about it. And like you referred to before, he says, like, he, you wouldn't even see him come in. All you'd see is a glimmer. It's a glimmer. And then you'd be dead. Yeah. He was a part of Blackbriar. We need to really? get Pamela Landy on this. <laughs> but I want to know, how does anyone know that this glimmer thing happened if he just kills the people? Like, <laughs> how? Someone was watching him classic burn right there. Glimmer on the other side. Someone was going to the bathroom behind a tree and was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He really got those guys. And he glimmered. Glimmer, and then the guy was dead, and that's it. That's just a story that Steven Seagal told everyone. (laughs) They only see a glimmer. Oh, okay. That's why they call you that. I wasn't there. He's like, everyone calls me the Glimmer Man, and here's why. But no one calls him that. That's just more of his shit that he made up. (laughs) (laughs) They needed a title for the movie, goddammit. What is the glimmer supposed to be like a blade or something like what is I the sort of imagined it like it's the like predator a like when you see the predator and then you just like, <laughs> I get impaled by it nothing like if you're looking through into a jungle <laughs> and there's like a and you squint real hard in it and, it and there's like a, a cheetah or something like behind a bunch of leaves and you just kind of see a flash like a little like little like fragments of it yeah. like real quick and you're like wait did i just see that or did i not I see I that a that's a like glimmer, a glimmer. Yeah. you yeah. see only a glimmer of it so i know and i know fast. brian cox was not as famous then as he certainly is now but you got to hand it to this movie for like getting the guy of that level to deliver that kind of garbage <laughs> and he's got a southern accent in it too and he, it which is he does a good. lot he does a southern accent in a lot of stuff he never got a handle on it <laughs> he I, yeah. keeps trying, and that is admirable. Yeah, but nothing but jungle, yeah. <laughs> and a glimmer. Dan, I, did, I do like the see? scene where Steven Seagal comes to see him at the restaurant. Did we get to that yet? No, we didn't. That's a great scene. <laughs> That's oh, he fucks up this whole restaurant. Well, first he's like, 
Sit down, John. The food is quite good. <laughs> we got everything here from a dinner like yeah. Joe to damned if I know. And then and then he fucks up the restaurant and like he just like lays waste to this place. And I'm like, oh, is that when he's who's like paying for this? The, and the restaurant's got to close now. Yeah, right? someone like goes in to go sit down at the restaurant. And he's like, it's closed for. Or he answers the phone and he, they try to get a reservation. And he goes, I'm sorry, we're currently closed for renovation. It'll be about. Two months <laughs> as he looks at all the damage yeah, he's, he's so just funny. done. He's but funny. before that, at the beginning of the scene, the guy that actually works at the restaurant was telling someone on the phone that there were no reservations and they couldn't come in. And then he takes the f- he beats the guy up and then takes the phone and then tells him like, "Yeah, come on in. We'll find you a table." <laughs> so he does the opposite. He's such a little stinker. <laughs> he's the Bugs Bunny of this movie. He's really for sure. just such a stinker in this movie. It would be cool if that person showed up at the end as he was leaving. That should be that should yeah. be topping the topper on the scene as somebody <laughs> shows up. He's like, "Oh, they told me to come right down. <laughs> they told me to come right down, so they had a table for me." But yeah, he comes in. He he has a fight on the way in, and then he sits down at the table with Brian Cox and talks to him, and then has a fight on the way out. I like um, how I like how he's already strong armed his part. way into this place with yeah. badassery. Sits down, and has the meet and greet with with Brian Cox, who's doing the shit like. Oh, that's what you're calling yourself these days, is it? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I then, created you, Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then as he's leaving, one of the one of the henchmen is like, I forget what he says, but it's something like, yeah, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> he's just like getting in Steven Seagal's face, and you're like, here we go. I, I like also how he just starts eating the food when he sits yeah. down, too. Yeah, like Brian like Cox, like, dude, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He's like, yeah, now he's kicking all my men's ass. And like, just, I don't know. It's a poor, it's, it's a bad a, operation. It's a palindrome scene, though, because he comes in, he has the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he has a fight. He sits down. Then he has another fight, and then he uses the phone again, and then he leaves. I bet that's, that's the what only Steven way Seagal he can probably leave said. And enter a room. <laughs> we gotta do a palindrome scene here, guys. It's gonna be like poetry. They rhyme. Uh, he's playing, he but does he's, haiku, but there he does palindrome. He's <laughs> playing. Uh, Cox is playing his whole like uh, CIA like CIA spook guy, just like he plays the headmaster in Rushmore. Yeah, it's the same exact vibe. Yeah. Steven Seagal, he must have been an incredible badass. He's one of the worst ones we've got. <laughs> <laughs> but he went native, and now he knows about uh, powdered deer native. penis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so at a certain point, they just cut to the chase, and they torture Brian Cox. Uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans and Steven Seagal torture Brian Cox into telling him, him in the giving him the information. In the hand they're stuff. shooting him in his hand and stuff like that, and, and then they're like, I like when, he's, when they're going to shoot him in his other hand. He's like, I need that one. All right, now, all right, all right, now I'll tell you. All right, gentlemen, I'll give you the name of who you're looking for I'm now. sorry, I thought yep. you was corn. <laughs> and then, then they're leaving, and this is a funny line. I mean, at least delivered by Brian Cox with a phony southern accent. Would one of you gentlemen mind calling me an ambulance? (laughs) It's pretty funny. They're like, hey, some car will come around. Whatever. Uh, And then at one point, Steven Seagal gets to to drop this nugget of uh, of wisdom. (laughs) I love it when Steven Seagal teaches. I like it Steven when he Seagal gets down loves verbally, to teach. Yeah. yeah, he likes to like show people how to do things, how to operate a gun, how to make a bomb, this or that. But in this case, he's like, reminds me of an old Persian tactician trying to teach his young troops strategy. It later on came to be known as chess. You're like, that's fascinating. That's really oh, wow. interesting, Stephen. Isn't there a bit where they're at a bar and he says something like, uh, Keenan Ivor Wayans is making fun of him doing some Sun Tzu stuff. He's like, he says, like, he quotes from The Art of War, and Keenan Ever Wayans is just like, Sun Tzu, man, what is this shit? Like, he doesn't even say anything clever. Well, He's like, just like, Sun what? Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I basically don't remember <laughs> how it goes. I just have the, have the lines. Well, like you basically, they, they kill everybody. They blow up his apartment, and then there's <laughs> a big fight, you know, and they're like, he's Keenan I. Wayne's is hanging off the side of the building. And yeah. Then there's At two a separate times, huge, huge, like, square TVs. Some guy gets thrown into a TV one time. The other time, I think he just shoots a TV. And then the final shootout, there's another big TV, and I was really hoping it would go down, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't. There's, that a pretty that one's bloody, too big. there's a pretty bloody and, like, semi-competent Tony Scott-style, everybody in the room has guns shootout yeah. at the end of this. Some of the action is fine. Yeah, that the was impalement cool. at the end. I did. I especially like that because before the you see the guy's like head on the, on the grate. Yeah. Like it, he gets blown out the window and the, th the 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 gate is just flopping around like it's made out yeah. of fucking twist ties. <laughs> yeah, it, and yeah. then it's like perfectly sturdy again and the guy's impaled on it. <laughs> and there's a cool like w there's a cool shot too where it pans down from Steven Seagal yeah. to like the guy the guy with the gate sticking up through his through his. Doesn't chin he have a one liner like, mm -hmm. there? No, it seems like it, there would be. I think the way, the way that the shot just is grossed out when they look out. Yeah, the way it's one of those things that we've covered before, where the way that the shot is framed, you're like, and now he says, mm. and then there's just nothing. You're like, oh, <laughs> all right, because he's he's because he, at the heart he's still a nonviolent guy, and so he doesn't like to have to do this stuff, but he does it out of necessity. He's enlightened. <clears throat> it's against uh, his religion. It's against his one of his one of his religions. Re one of his many religions. Uh, his his pick and choose religion <laughs> that he's got. Uh, this is at one point he's talking to the this main henchman that apparently he really hates. So when you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, you're probably pleased at what you see. See that disturbs me. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. And then he, and then it ends with him going, "Yeah, but you got to try powdered deer penis." And then there's just an ominous pullback and, from Steven Seagal. But then they start playing some pretty awesome yeah, blues pretty bar fun. blues music. You got to admit. Did you? Check the credits to see who wrote that. Song? I might have, I might have checked the credits to <laughs> see that, in fact, Steven Seagal co-wrote two of the songs in this movie. The one at the what? end is, I believe, is called "Bulletproof," and that is uh, written by Steven Seagal and performed by the Jeff Healy Band. That's and there's another cool. song cool. called "Snake," written by Steven Seagal, performed by Taj Mahal, a semi-legendary musician <laughs> of note. So he was Steven Seagal was really chugging along at this point. Renaissance man. Yeah, and he, a glimmer man. A Renaissance slash Glimmer Man. Glimmerman. Which should have been the title of the film. Or Mr. Love Beads. Mr. Love Beads. Mr. Love Beads. <laughs> That's a way better title. Goodbye, Mr. Love Beads. At one point, he beats a, a lie detector test. This is just classic Seagal <laughs> stuff. That was funny. And everybody's amazed, and they're like, nobody can beat a lie detector test unless you have total control over your emotions. But he, but, oh. but he doesn't. I but apparently it, he's telling I, the truth. I took it to be that he was telling the truth, and what His, makes that great is that he's. They they say, "Have you ever climbed Mount Everest?" He and goes, I was like, yes. "Yes, yeah." And it's supposed to be like a question to you know. It's the calibrating question. But then like I, he yeah, actually yeah, has to say. They're expecting him to say no because who has? <laughs> have you ever eaten a train piece by piece after you just derailed it with your penis? Yes, yes. it was for charity. <laughs> It's a Mr. Show sketch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do I, like that scene though because there's that there's that gag, and then he's telling the truth. He's like answering all the questions truthfully, and then they get to one that he just doesn't want to answer. He's like, "Ah, fuck this! I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> there's a really funny part in this movie that, that that was that gives you an idea of kind of how obligatory all this stuff is. Mm -hmm. How it's just like you know you know what a buddy movie's like. All right, so Keenan Ivory Wayans and Steven Seagal have done their first day on the job. They got along fine. 
They didn't really fight all that much. Sometimes Keenan would be like, you're a little weird, man. But they mostly were pretty friendly with each other. They succeeded at all their endeavors. At the end, Keenan <laughs> Ivory Wayans goes and complains to his boss. Yeah, yeah. And then in his complaints to his boss involves stuff like, he's so badass, he kicked a bunch of people's asses. He's like Bruce Lee, only better. That's a line about Steven Seagal, like Bruce Lee, only better, very pointed. And then the boss is like, sorry, I know that I know that you had a pretty good day with your new partner and you guys succeeded in, and got yeah. along pretty well, but you better get back out there with them. And you're just sort of like, what was... I also like it the, that the, the captain is like, get back out there, get on the streets and solve this case. And he walks away and Keenan Wayne's just like, okay. <laughs> sure enough. Yep. Very weird. They, uh, yeah, they keep trying to manufacture like friction between these two guys and it just doesn't happen like at any point uh this is keenan ivory wayans uh talking uh, boy it's very telling because uh steven steven seagal at first goes like are you married and he's like i'm not going to tell you anything about my family life i don't want to talk to you new partner and he's like are you married whoa and then he goes Keenan everyone goes, see, every cop I know who's married, every cop I know who's married got a wife who won't sleep with him, kids who won't listen to him, and a dog that had rather lick himself than bring him the paper. Pretty miserable stuff. Bleak. Say. A bleak it's, picture. It's bleak. Every single one is miserable. And like, I, you got to wonder if that might be the... You feel like there's like a there's an alternate <laughs> universe version of this movie where, like, Keenan Ivory Wayne's character is this, like, miserable, like... Torn up by the job, like, can't handle it anymore, just, like, wants to catch his pension and get the fuck out of here. And, like, pairing with John Cale or Cole or whatever the fuck his name is, the, the, the like, enlightened spiritual John investigator, Kale. like, brings him a new perspective on his life. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what that line yeah. is kind of suggesting is going to go go on there, and no. none of that happens. His life is pretty much ruined <laughs> at know? the end of it, and then he gets made fun of for it. <laughs> but like, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of pointing that out because like they could do literally anything to make the relationship between these characters interesting, and they choose <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think they had a couple stubborn stars who just kind of didn't want to go with the program. I mean, maybe, but it yeah. didn't bother it didn't bother me I all did that much. I did also tangentially enjoy. I guess this is sort of unrelated, but uh, at the end when Keenan Everwayne's is hanging off the side of the building, very clear green halo around him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a bad comp job. I, I always enjoy <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, ratings. Are we at ratings for this? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go three Judds. Mm-hmm. I probably, probably only deserves two and a half. But that's... Uh, yeah, much like the way I enjoyed Hard to Kill for its purity, its genericness, I found the genericness in this like kind of stultifying. It's a little bit later. This, these these tropes are. It's just more. It's just. It's not done with any kind of flair. Yeah. But you know, it's funny enough. The action isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, the plot is musically <laughs> convoluted. Brian Cox is funny. Like, there's enough to get me through it. But it's I did aggressively find this, fine. I did find it a little bit of a slog. Yeah. Um. No, no Douglases. Uh, booby. That's like the booby thing. Okay, yeah. one Douglas for the for the sliced open boobs. I just said booby. The, the booby thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give it ten out of ten. Incredibly forced deer penis jokes. <laughs> There's literally three of them. Yeah. Possibly more. Uh, 
I'm going to give it three. I also agree with that three. It's just sort of like checking all the boxes, and that's what a th- and that's what a three is for, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's just What's do- a four for? Four for a little Five, something? Five, four, three, oh, four. Oh, now we're getting into the math. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, it's... I like the way that it plays with Steven Seagal's. I like. I just like liked checking in with Steven Seagal in his career at this point. He's like has has this glimmer of maybe wanting, maybe being interested in tweaking his personality a little bit at this point, and it almost kind of works. He's like not that bad at trying to, when he's trying to be funny. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him more credit than he deserves, but I was just kind of like, hey, it's fine considering that comedy is like the moon for this guy. He's being like a, a comedian, he's being kind of funny in this movie, sort of. He's like the moon. Being too, I feel like I'm being too generous, but whatever. It might have to do with it, the fact that this movie's 90 minutes long. <laughs> it's just like, thank you. Uh, but I'll give it one Douglas for the gross boob scene that was just like, Jesus Christ. Michael Bay came in for one day of shooting or something like that. And then, uh, <clears throat> what did you, uh, I'm going to give it, I just, I'll give it 10 out of 10 silicone implants. <laughs> Yes. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, five sets, huh? I guess so, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm going to give it three Judds. Uh, I was going to give it three and a half, and then we talked about it, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I really like this as much as Hard to Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was my first Steven Seagal movie, though, and I, I think for for what it what it was an intro to Steven Seagal was a lot of fun. You'll always cherish it. I'll always cherish it. It'll hold a special place in my heart. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give it 0.5, half a Douglas uh, for the dead woman's boob. And I'm going to give it. Dead woman's boob would also be a good title for (laughs) the Hell yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 (laughs) credit card razor weapons. Mm, I want to get one of those. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Can you get one of those on Amazon? Yeah, but the interest rates are fucked. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they they are a, a card. Vern. I'll, I'll, I'll go two and a half Jeds. Ooh, um, the lowest of them all. Because it's, I enjoyed watching it this time. It's fun, but it's like my probably my least favorite of the theatrically released Seagal movies. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, it's not as fun to see him going after a gloomy, like pervert serial killer guy <laughs> as it is somebody he can fight or, you know. Right. And then... And it's just kind of gloomy looking, and the comedy is bad. But it's actually better than I remembered it being <laughs> comedy-wise. Uh, the comedy's uh, at least novel for it, I think. Like it's a different strain of this than his usual funny stuff. You yeah, know? but he he has this that thing where like you can tell when he talks a certain way, that's when he thinks he's being really funny. Mm-hmm. You know? Which Travis but, has that problem too. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So that, and then I'll go two and a half Juds because I did said two for the last one and the. Cutting up in the body is worse than anything <laughs> in the last one. Um, and then I'll go nine <laughs> people f- breaking through windows because that's what I, when I when I did the book, that's what I determined was the amount of t- different variations there on people <laughs> being thrown through or <laughs> themselves flying through windows. Nine. Not bad. Including, I think I included the school one as two because it was uh-huh. out and then... Yeah. You know, there's a couple parts for old time's sake where he breaks someone's arm backwards too, but it's the cheap kind because there's two different ways that you can do the break an arm backwards. You can rig up an actual fake arm that he puts over his shoulder and snaps, and you can see the the elbow like mm-hmm. popping, or you can just add a sound effect. Or you, you can just, just break someone's arm. Yeah, or you can break someone's oh, arm. That's the third yeah. way. That 
the stuntmen don't that's usually what, go for that. You got to pay them extra. That's what they do in Dogma '95. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you got to actually break the arm. Uh, but that, these are these are the bad kind where it's just like someone's someone grabbing their actual arm and just sort of making a motion, and then mm. you hear a <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, he broke his arm." Okay. Something I forgot to mention is speaking of throwing people out of windows, is he, he throws the boyfriend out the window at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and then later they have a they meet with Nikki Cox, his girlfriend, for an unrelated reason, and he's like. I know you from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it all really uh, comes. Yeah, you threw my boyfriend all, out the yeah, window. Yeah, like, yeah, you threw my boyfriend out the window. It's like, yeah, he had a fucking gun. <laughs> so funny. It's <laughs> uh, good stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on. 2003's oh Belly boy. of the Beast, directed by the legendary Ching Su Tung, yes? Jay, I'd like to think you came all the way out here to see me, but I don't think so. Is everything all right? Yes, Jessica. <laughs> She's been kidnapped. <laughs> Listen, up is a joke. Watch the bull man, I'll take care of you. You don't know my dad. He's my daughter. Anybody who stands in my way, it's gonna be them or me. I don't want to see you go home in a body bag. Chinese ghost story, baby. Yeah. Seven years have Swordsman passed. Swordsman 2, I believe. From the Glimmer Man, and but time, it seems like a, a lot more than that. <laughs> time has caught up to Steven. Yeah, boy, oh boy. And he's he way was in more... a coma for 11 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Belly of the Beast. Um, he, he, there's definitely movies where he moves less. There's some yeah. Time, yes. I saw, he does a role in this movie, and that's like, that's him. That's <laughs> but there's absolutely like, him. There's, a couple, there's more than one uh, fight scene in this movie where he takes on like multiple guys, and you don't see his face. The guy is clearly a lot slimmer than Steven Seagal, and he has like different haircut and everything, but there, there are these amazing quick cuts in the fight scenes where like you should be able to see the guy's face but it's obscured strategically by like somebody else's head or an object or something like that or his back is to you yes it's good stuff my favorite parts in this movie are them cutting him into outrageous stunts Mm -hmm. and it's he is very lumbery in this movie it's already by by the time a glimmer man has happened he's pretty lumbery and so when they're like cutting to him like doing a spin kick you're like whoa i don't know about that (laughs) it's incongruous but in this one it's so incongruous that it's kind of like a a feature honestly where it's like it's something it's just something to behold because the action is kind of good well i mean ching si tung is a great director that's the first thing you notice about this movie is like oh this one's stylishly put together like yeah he's also the choreographer and it's like, and it stands out because Seagal is doing like kung fu kind of hand movements and stuff, which he never does in anything else. Oh, okay. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> there's, there's that when fight he's doing scene. Those poses, you know. Yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that fight scene I just mentioned, where like he takes on like 15 guys, and you, it's clearly not. It's clearly a stuntman. And then everybody's do, he's done fighting, and then it, you finally see him, and he does like a thing. You know, yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah, he revs down. That's, that's <laughs> tone. Yeah, it was great. And there's no—he's done some movies with good directors early in his career, but like he's—that's the only like Hong Kong director mm-hmm. he ever did. Interesting. And, yeah. and especially in that period, he was—it was mostly just people who only do straight-to-video movies. And Ching Su Tung does crazy yeah. international co-productions, of like apart from that one. But I'm still sad we never. Did we ever get a Van Damme from Ching Su Tung? No, I don't think so. That's too bad. <laughs> There's still time. She did one with Ma- he did a Maggie Q one that was. Oh yeah, yeah. awesome. Make, I love her. The stylishness of this movie is right off the bat with the title card coming out over this naked girl swimming in a yeah. pool. Yeah. <laughs> in slow mo. In slow mo, and then it just go. It flashes away from it, and then uh, there we are. I, We're in the story. I, yeah, we haven't. 
said what it's about, but I, I, I love the beginning. There's the opening scene that's like in the past where his partner accidentally kills someone and we later find out his partner has become a Buddhist monk after that. Mm-hmm. But um, then the second scene after that is I totally love where he's it's like him at his day job now where he's like some kind of hired. He's like a what is he exactly? He's some kind of hired secret agent guy and he's breaking into this place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like a, and that was my favorite. He's doing a, a my, heist, like yeah. a cat burglar scene. Yeah, and my favorite stunt double moment is at the beginning of that scene, you see a guy that doesn't look like his size at all like leap up onto a roof like <laughs> like a yeah. ninja and do this whole thing and you ha- it hasn't been established yet that this is supposed to be Steven Seagal, so <laughs> you don't, it, it's not your normal inclination to assume like this guy that's jumping up on the roof is Steven Seagal <laughs> until you see that it is. And you can hundred percent see how this would play out. Like while they're shooting it too, where like Steven Seagal is pretty, I mean, he gets bigger, but he's a big guy at this point. And like, they bring on a stunt man that is like the equivalent of his size. And you're like, all right, here's your stunt man for this scene. Steven's like, I'm, I'm not that big. <laughs> Get a smaller stunt man. I'm not that big. <laughs> and they're like, ah, uh, well, uh, okay, well, sure. I mean, all right, fine. And then, then you get these yeah. weirdly incongruous scenes where like a skinny guy goes jumping and then Steven Skull's there. <laughs> but then you see him do a somersault, which I think is the part you mentioned. He earlier. literally does a somersault. It's cr- I was like, whoa. <laughs> somersault, and then he's like stealing a disc or something. And there's this scene that, uh, like, this shot that. I think is one of the funniest things in any of his movies when he is just s- sort of magically sliding slide. down the hall in this cool like Superman pose. <laughs> He's just <laughs> sliding down the floor. It's like uh, uh, risky business underwear <laughs> dance or something. But like. he's on his but side. On his, yeah, because he, he's going underneath a window. Uh, it's because people would be able to see him through this window, so he like runs and slides. So and of slides. course, he's either being pushed or pulled by like <laughs> by a rod or a wire of some kind. It's a team of Malamutes. But, but he's yeah. gone through and done all this exciting ninja stuff and stolen this thing, and then and then he stops and goes to the refrigerator on his way. Out. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and it seems like he's gonna get food, but he gets a bottle of water. But it still looks like he just finished he's ready a for job. A snack. Like he finished his workout or something. He like goes to the Kinda refrigerator hydrate. and. Gets it's a bottle of water, but it's He's in the so middle of the cat. so great if he pulled a, like a big plate of spaghetti out and just was like, "Oh yeah, it's still warm." <laughs> but I, I, I tried. Oh, it's warm. I tried to choose a crazier one, and then I was watching it, going like, "Oh, those guys are going to be so mad at me." But whenever there was a scene like that, I'd be like, "I hope they appreciated this bottled water part." It does. There are moments. Uh, I was talking to Matt before we were recording. Moments uh, of this movie. It's. P- where it's pretty bad. Like, when the action isn't happening, it gets pretty dire, and I had that, like, my brain shutting down sort of thing because I was watching it at work, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to sleep, like that sort of thing, which just usually means that I'm watching a boring movie. But then it comes alive uh, in periodic moments. I I, I found it impossible to follow and kind of hard to focus on. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Steven Seagal is. Yeah, this is hard to to watch. It's Steven Seagal's (laughs) Taken, kind of, right? It's absolutely. Before Taken. Before Taken, yeah. yeah. 2003. But yeah, the premise is his daughter gets kidnapped while in Thailand. But I found, I I thought I had individual moments that were pretty amusing. It's, I think it's pretty well directed. I like that they shot, I didn't expect it to be shot on film. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And then also, um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. There you go. <laughs> there, that's and that's how kind of the movie <laughs> yeah, is. That's, the movie that's symbolism going. right his, there. His daughter is kidnapped along with uh, her friend, who is a U.S. senator's daughter, and they think it's 
Islamic fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not. It's a, it's a <clears throat> but it's not. It's a switch up from what you think. Just like the Glimmer Man, where you're like, you think it's this and it's this. And it's, they know wow. that that one of the girls is the U.S. senator's daughter, but they don't know that Je- who Jessica is. They don't know it's yes, uh, Steven Seagal's daughter. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember what I was going to finish up with. Uh, I was surprised at how much production value that I got out of this, given how cheap it obviously is. I think that yeah. Steven Seagal at this point could still be considered to like get you know. To be an investment, to be a, 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 of this some is, kind. This is twenty years ago now. So yeah, yeah. two thousand three. Like we'll make some money off of this in some like some market or. Another. I mean, this was only this not even ten years after the Glimmer Man. Yeah. So it's still. There's a Glimmer still Man. Riding, the, riding the high crest of the Glimmer Man wave. <laughs> on this one. Yeah. But he was doing some really messy, cheap, weird ones around this time, and there's other ones that are that I considered because they're maybe equally funny. Like Out of Reach is a really funny one, and Out for a Kill. And they're Ooh, all very weird, but this one does have like kind of more production value. It's like that scene where he's at the market and he's finding all those. Yeah, guys. that's a great scene. That's and one like, of the best parts. Yeah, and there's like and there's like bo- <clears throat> you know, going around in boats. I mean, it's from filming in Thailand, I guess. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's some. But then, but then there's like later in the movie, there's a big shootout with like dozens of guys in a train yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. it's like you got a lot of you got a lot of stuff going on here, and it's just like cut to ribbons like and and like also the guys when they're they're like they're shoot they're just sort of going like shooting at the in the air and then you'll cut to a shot of like four guys falling immediately all at the same time <laughs> that is my favorite part in the whole movie and it's the combination of all the elements because some of the action is good like the director is is talented yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is a scene at the train yard that's uh, like seems like a genuine location too which yeah. i thought was cool um but like steven seagal jumps out like basically propels himself through the side of a train car <laughs> comes bursting out through the train car and in super slow motion as like wood fibers go flying out into the air in slow motion is like gunning people down with two-fisted bullets from the side as he like slowly they keep on cutting back and forth it, it goes on it's like yeah, bullet time it's very hong kong very and hong kong and he hits each of them like four or five times <laughs> and he yeah, lands cool. on one, one of those little pads like one of those little train pads that also rolls along on the mm-hmm. tracks and then that starts rolling because of his landing on it and he still keeps shooting people but the way that they that they incorporate him with the stuntman in this it's it's both really awesome and fucking hilarious yeah at the same time i i r- ripped it so i'll put it up online so people can see but it's it's it's, it's very it's very john scene. woo except very slow yeah like it's, the, it's, it's like so it's slow. moving really slow if it was woo he he'd like cut back and forth the regular or faster cuts and then yeah. then the slow-mo like he loves to do that slow fast slow thing and this is more all slow motion yeah, yeah. And then I, I it's guess a big scene. I, I guess we don't really need to go into detail about the plot of this, which is overly complicated. And I could not figure it uh, out. Ungraspable like, to me. There is a funny There's part in it when it, when he's introduced to like the the kidnapping part, because like one of his like military or whatever friends tells him this information, and it's just off. It's just off in a little bit of way where just the, it's part of like Steven Seagal's kind of uh, the sigh acting that I was talking about, his kind of like general boredom at, at being there sort of thing. But this is how the guy introduces his daughter being kidnapped. There's no two ways to put this. Jessica and the Winthrop girl were kidnapped. <laughs> and Steven Seagal goes, you're kidding. So, <laughs> Oh, no, man. I, I was oh, going to no. mention that the, they always refer to the senator's daughter as the Winthrop girl. Like the they Winthrop never, they, girl. They, she doesn't have a name. I, uh, I thought that this had a particularly good, clean, generic, just how badass is he scene, where, like, the military dudes are sitting at the conference table going, like, well, the Winthrop girl's been kidnapped, and, and but the other girl that she was with is 
the daughter of this old CIA special Jay forces Hopper. guy. Yeah, whatever his name is. Yeah, it's Jake Hopper. Jake Hopper. Okay, <laughs> not bad. And uh, but then then uh, one of the one of the so guys storm. is like a new no. guy, and he's like. Well, who's Jake Hopper? And then they're like, "Well, who's Jake Hopper?" The, then they then they then they do the whole. They run down all the stuff that he's done, and uh, and I really liked, <laughs> I really like at the end of it, they go. Uh, one of the other guys is like, "Oh God, where where is he now? Oh, he just landed. You know, <laughs> like he's already here. He's way ahead of us. Uh, he he knew about this before this briefing. And then and then uh, the the head of this military conversation is like, "Well, if he starts making waves, pick him up." Send him home. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then when they do, when that does happen, yeah, they arrest him, and then he like ends up fighting his way. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's going to. He starts beating up all the cops in the police station while he has handcuffs on, and then mm-hmm. a guy from the CIA shows up too. Yes. Or is that before that? Anyway, that does happen. Yeah. Where he gets arrested and then starts beating up the cops. You'll have to forgive in us if we don't get country. the order of the sequence <laughs> yeah, of the events kind of corrected in this movie. That's almost impossible to follow. I just thought it was really funny that like they've they've like just listed this litany of how awesome he is and un- like you know he's the most unstoppable son of a bitch I've ever met in my life. And they're like, well, if he starts to make trouble for us, just arrest him. <laughs> you know, yeah. it'll be no, no he'll, he'll go quietly. There's no chance he's gonna beat up the entire police department that you work at. That that'll he'll, never. He happen. also has multiple confrontations with other people, going like, man. You just gotta let the pe- let the authorities take care of this. He's like, it's my daughter. <laughs> you gotta, but he's like, but he's doing it in Steven Seagal mode. So he's kind of like, you gotta understand, it's my daughter. It's my daughter. This is gonna be anybody also, who gets in front of me. His daughter's badass. His daughter's badass too. She stabs that prison rapist. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was really a good. Like <laughs> intensely over yeah. and over, and then they like kind of check on him, and they're like. Oh fuck! And then they just leave the body in there I, with them. Well, I like I did like the part that part because then the, then the the one of the other guys comes and he's gonna kill her. Yeah, and they're he like, stop! On the, he's on the downswing. Yeah, of he his, likes of a beheading. Right. And yeah. the guy goes, stop that! And he does. He's like, the boss needs that one alive. Yeah, and then and the guy goes, he killed my brother. And they're like, that's too bad. Just Sorry. get rid of the body. <laughs> We'd re- be remiss not to point out the fact that his teenage or 20-something-year-old daughter and her friend, who are the senator's daughter or whatever, are in bikini tops the, the entire time. time that they're uh, they were at, in they captivity. Because they, 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 they were at the old swimming hole uh, <laughs> yeah. when they got kidnapped. I did, I did like also the beginning, that beginning scene where they, they kill the one, the one dude, the first guy. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> they're all, they're like at the secret beautiful lagoon on their thailand vacation it looks nice and they got some beers and the one guy is like i'm not gonna get in the water i'm gonna listen to the news and it's like the local islamic fundamentalist terrorist group is on the prowl everybody look out <laughs> pertinent information to the plot <laughs> it's actually this is funny for that that's really funny because he's listening to like the plot unwind yeah well on the, but, then, on the radio. but then one of the other kids goes like turn that off and he puts the music on instead no they <laughs> so go like good. they go like enough of that boring claptrap point yeah. dexter or whatever and they go put on some music and he goes okay, and he changes his channel, and indeed it's music. He's yeah. like, <laughs> it's just like some fucking. It's music. not a Steven Seagal song. And then they hear the music, and they're like, "Yay, music <laughs> yeah. of any kind, <laughs> just any kind of music. That's all we wanted." I wanted to like uh, the you know in the Simpsons where he's like, "I'm not gonna read the comics. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna read the newspaper." And it's like the Supreme Court today. Oh god! <laughs> I wanted him to turn the music on, and then like we interrupt this uh, music for more news. Or the music is like Islamic fundamentalists taking over the. <laughs> It's so, <laughs> so good. It's, crazy. it's a silly movie. And uh, at the peak of the silliness of this movie, there is a character who's a go-go dancer lady. I mm-hmm. didn't get her name. But he basically like kicks someone's ass in front of her, and she's like, I'm in love with you now. 
And you're like, this is going to be a lady who becomes like his sidekick at some point because she's like 19 and he is 147 and looks older <laughs> than very, that. He's like Trump this. orange in this thing. Yeah, he's just this giant orange guy just lumbering around. He's definitely like John Wayne and McHugh, like moving slow. Yeah, and she's like, I'm going to help you occasionally and like I want to I help you and be your friend and be your little sidekick. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, 100% just sidekick. And then at a certain point, Ugh. oh, yeah, they <laughs> fuck <laughs> And you're like, what? No. <laughs> no. Honey, no. <laughs> She's making out with him, and you're like, oh, God. It's yeah. excruciating. At first he does the right thing and like is brushing her off and like kind of going, leave me alone and stuff. But then just out of the blue, it's like, okay. Well, I like, well, the one, my favorite <laughs> moment with that is like, he's going to meet with some bad guys to do some badass stuff. And, uh, and he comes out, and she's in the car already. And uh, and he, he gets in the front seat. She's in the back. And then he sees that she's in the car. He makes her get out. And she's like, I thought I could come with you. And he just goes, go home. <laughs> and that's the end. They drive away, and she it's amazing. She's standing there as, the, as he drives away, and there's this great shot of her going like, <sighs> she just makes like a sad face. She reminded me of, uh, I, I forgot to mention this in the last episode, the Mother's Day episode, but Gwyneth Paltrow's sad faces in that movie were fucking oh, amazing. Yeah. Actual like, every, every time something bad would happen to Gwyneth Paltrow, she would just go, oh, no. <laughs> I'm so like, sad right done, like, yeah. three, You know, <laughs> with her hands. Yeah, it was really funny. Good stuff. Yeah, half of this movie is Steven Seagal not letting people help him. He does not like people helping well, he, him. He has a partner named Soon T, who is like his old... Yes, partner played by Byron Mann, and he um, he's the guy who accidentally shot someone and became a Buddhist monk. And so, coincidentally, he he's his temple or monastery or whatever is there, and he Jay Copper co- goes and visits him, and you get the idea that he's going to get his help, but he really is just th- there to visit him, just wants to say hi, <laughs> and then tell him like, oh, by the way, my, I'm here because my daughter was kidnapped. They said, it's ter- they said it was terrorist, but I don't believe it. Blah blah blah. And then and then and then his his friend like goes and tells his his the abbot or whatever that he has to leave and do this violent thing, and so he's going to have to no longer be a monk because it's against his vows and everything. Basically, like gives up his entire life, and then he goes and tells Sagal that, and he's like, he's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's you. It seems like he's doing this passive aggressive thing to get his help, but he but no, he's then, sincere about it. But yeah. it's portrayed as like he seriously did, was like, "Oh, I had no idea that you were going to do that." Doesn't for he? Me. Doesn't he go talk to the abbot too? And the abbot is like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, he oh, becomes yeah, he immediately right, yeah. becomes friends with the abbot, and that that <laughs> comes that comes in later in the movie where magic is introduced to the movie. By the <laughs> way, uh, but yeah, I wanted I also I wanted to point out that there's a couple. This. this is the one where he first meets up with his friend, uh, the monk, <clears throat> who's been a monk for ten years. This is one of the f- a couple, a handful of scenes in the movie where they didn't get the audio on the scene, and they re-recorded ADR. And Steven Seagal was apparently not available to do the ADR, so he's dubbed by somebody else. What? So it's somebody else going like, "How's your heart?" <laughs> it's like someone doing a Steven Seagal impression. That that started happening a lot around that era, and there's the other one that I that is really ridiculous, out of reach. Is great because he has a pen pal in it, and there's all these letters oh, no. that are read as voiceover by Dear Ndugu. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but you're reading this, you're hearing this whole letter read that's not Steven Seagal's voice, but you're supposed to understand that it's his voice. <laughs> it's very, very weird. Does it sound like remarkably not like Steven yeah, Seagal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like you don't realize if it takes you a minute to go, oh, wait, that's supposed to be him. You know, <laughs> my country has been 
brutally liberated by the benevolent General Kral. <laughs> All hail Kral. All hail Kral. <laughs> maybe I should have. Maybe I should have chosen that one to do because it's more r- ridiculous. But I thought uh, I thought it's more this ridiculous was than this. I, I thought this one had. Well, yeah, because he um he has a pen pal that's this young girl. I mean, that's pretty in, wild. I forget which European country. She gets like kidnapped, and they're trying to like sell her into white slavery, and he just figures out that that happened because he doesn't get a letter back from her <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to rescue her and um matt schultz from oh, al- fast also from fast and the furious is the bad Chupa guy from uh, Blade yeah Two. and he wears like a white suit and like does all this weird he plays chess with the little girl and drugs her <laughs> like he can't def- i don't what? know anyway well chess was invented but because I cho- of the, I, anyway yeah. the person the person general <laughs> yeah but i chose this one because it, it, to me is has more things that are actually good in it than that one does yeah uh we get to like it, it goes into like full-on crazy gonzo territory in the mm-hmm. end yes. and i don't know what happens in this plot <laughs> it is one of those things where yeah. like you think it's the kidnapping as it is but then there's some larger thing there's happening some political intrigue going on yeah. around the kidnapping and somehow spiritual intrigue because there's like yeah there's magic magic and monks who evil monks who do lit- literal magic yeah, when metaphysical. He's the, when he's having the fight in the at the market, you see this weird wizard guy come up and look, <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell he's an evil magic guy. And then it's not not mentioned again. And then later you see the him making like a voodoo doll in a mm. temple, and it's and it turns into like not bo- to mix metaphors, but yeah, but it turns into like boxer's omen. Yeah, right? where like I uh, was thinking, yeah, boxer's yeah, omen. Definitely like, not as cool though. During the climax. Which is a pretty cool fight against a general guy that mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned because I don't remember how he comes in. <laughs> but me- meanwhile, and it seems like maybe they didn't know this was what was going on when they originally filmed the movie or not. But like, That's possible. Yeah, I thought the general guy was doing some shady shit with the Americans and was bar- was trying to use kidnap the senator's daughter as leverage to get something he wanted from like the Americans. Yeah. That seems right. But meanwhile, while they're fighting this this wizard or whatever is doing evil magic and somewhere else in some other in some evil temple or whatever and then meanwhile the abbot is leading his monks in praying and it's like the camera's like doing evil dead shots zooming back and forth between Mm -hmm. them they're they're doing like a prayer yeah prayer off because someone gets possessed uh, Are you reading the Wikipedia right I'm now? I'm trying to. Does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. I Stevens, don't think I picked the, that up. Or someone voodoo. gets the powers from the spiritual entity. Wow, I was gone. See, and like, that's the thing. It's like, even reading like the step-by-step plot, I'm like, I don't remember that happening, though. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like the, 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 the plot became impenetrable to me after a while, so I was sort of focusing on the style, which I enjoyed. But then... I felt myself like it was almost like you I felt dissociated yourself floating because, you, because <laughs> I was just kind of like <laughs> looking down at watching you watch the, the yeah movie. you know I mean like I was watching it I wasn't distracted or doing something else but I don't know that I was actually paying attention I don't know if it stayed in here yeah. up here in the old noggin you needed to have monks who were praying <laughs> right you the power to focus the, the prayer dr- drilling the plot into your head so you can understand what's happening yeah. I like the climax because of the weirdness of that, but also the, I always like the thing where there's like a fight and the damage they do like symbolizes all these, like they're destroying all these symbols of 
history and culture and stuff of all these all these books and statues and things are getting shot while they're fighting and then the guy the general is shooting arrows at Seagal and he like oh that's right this now is, I remember this is that pretty amazing and he first pulls out his gun and then he shoots did you do you, did I you, don't remember you, oh, <laughs> this is a good part that you missed that he he sh- he like fires his little his little handgun and hits the end of the arrow. And that was cool. Oh, and damn, and there's one where he splits the arrow lengthwise. He got a sword, sword now. Yeah, yeah. Then he, yeah. Then the guy, yeah, the guy keeps shooting at him, and then he 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 waits for it, and then suddenly, while it's, I think it's already been shot, and he spins around and grabs a decorative sword off the wall or something. <laughs> he grabs a sword from somewhere and then swings like cuts it in half while this, it's in there. This scene is it's like really it all the me f- of full contact too. Oh, that yeah. scene, because they—that's like that bullet cam stuff was from Full Contact. Oh yeah, and it's like CG. Yeah, yeah. Bullet time kind of. This is all like the, the, all the fireworks in the movie. Like, there's a lot of action and a lot of crazy stuff. This could also like make your brain swell up a little bit too, because it's just re- repetition. <laughs> but there's like a part in it that I did it's think not like was meningitis, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I might just have meningitis. It's possible. Hopefully, it's the good kind. It's gonna also make you throw up blood. You know, that's just, <laughs> just a weird one. This can make half of your face sag down. <laughs> uh, Travis, Travis forgot what peas are. He doesn't. <laughs> they're just words that he doesn't remember anymore. <laughs> Vocabulary is down to about 200 words. Uh, but there is a part in it that I think is like, it's like only, you know, five seconds of the movie, but it's awesome. And it's like, there should be more of that stuff in Seagal movies just in general, especially these later ones, because it kind of explain it like gives you an idea of like how he's fighting as this lumbering giant. Uh-huh. So there's a guy who's got a sword and he's like, he's moving really fast. Steven Seagal is putting his hand up in a karate pose which is apparently a, a new thing for Steven Seagal and and he's and he's like like in a crane pose or something like yeah. that. The guy's going <laughs> spinning his sword around and then it close cuts to a close up of Steven Seagal's eyes. Then yeah. a close up of the uh, thing and you can tell that from Steven Seagal's perspective it's going real slow right. cuz he's yeah. like he sees Neo. every moment of it. He sees it and, and so he may be lumbery but he also knows the exact right moment to just put his hand in the middle of the swirling sword thing <laughs> and it fucks the whole thing up and then he slaps the guy and now he's dead. I think he might <laughs> slap him and he goes flying across the room or something and you're like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good slapping death. in this one. Yeah, that, his powers are just super focused. He doesn't need to be There should have been a shape. scene like earlier like you, when you see him younger and he's like practicing with a fan. Yeah. Like a fan is going really fast and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, I got it in there. Yeah. You mentioned the, lumb- the lumbering. I just want to mention real quick that I like how he's always like a f- head taller than every single other person <laughs> around him in the whole movie. Like that's not normal for his movies. It's just like he he looks like this giant walking around in these crowds and stuff. He's always way taller than everyone else. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah, there's a couple. F- there's a, a couple fun scenes where he's like on a boat going through like a Thai village and he's just doing his serious Steven Seagal face, and you're like, yeah, you gotta love that. That's pretty fun. Just Steven Seagal on a boat going. And wearing frowning, shoot. wearing cult, presumably culturally appropriate outfits. Yeah. It seems like because he, he, like, he knows how to fit. I don't in. want to look like a weirdo. I'll just <laughs> stick with the muumuu. <laughs> he speaks Thai. He, <laughs> of course, he does. He speaks all the there's, languages. There's also a trans character in this. That's oh unexplained. right. Yeah, we do have to bring that up. Uh, that's not great. I feel like I just blacked out the last well, like thirty minutes of this entire movie because everything he, you guys are saying, I'm like, I was there oh, in my room and I watched it. <laughs> well, I think. I was. It wasn't as bad as I was remembering. He he makes a horrible comment, but otherwise, she's just treated as being a badass character that's in the like a badass villain. Yes, uh, and and the, you know, 
Like they, they the, kind of the way that they shoot it, you can go to like, oh, they've got some sort of reveal in store for this character. And then during a fight scene, and she is being like a total badass, and like like she's one of the final bosses. And at a certain point, her like bra falls off. And then he's like, oh, it's a man, sort of reveal. And then Steven- <laughs> It's not your then, mother, it's a man, it's baby. It's a man, That's baby. A man. But Steven Seagal, he, does, and he doesn't have many lines like this either, so it really sticks out. He goes, I liked you much better as a bitch. Oh, no. Ah, like, gross. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then he kills but, that person. Yeah. But I on the, hate those needle scratches like yeah. that. Yeah, that needs to be mentioned. But on the, on the positive side, the character is a badass doing like cool- yeah, spin kicks and stuff. It's probably this, probably the as but far as fighting is concerned, the biggest badass in the movie, because I think that the monk is maybe the ultimate bad guy, but he he is brought down with prayers. Yeah. That's the only way oh, you can yeah. fight. I like him. the scene that big that big conflagration at the train yard. There's a sh- there's like all the shits going down. There's bullets flying. Dozens of guys are dropping like flies, and it just cuts to a shot of her, and then like the guy she works for. Like, mm-hmm. just getting into the car. Yeah, I it's always like, like that. They're just totally unfazed by all this yeah. stuff going on. That's a good shorthand for badassery when yeah. bullets are flying and you're just like, eh, whatever, and you're, like, not noticing that, that sort of thing. Doesn't cool. she work for the guy who is, like, Steven Seagal goes to see him at the restaurant and is like, hey, can you help me get a message to the... Yeah, he has an old friend, an old CIA contact that ends up being a traitor. Yeah. His name is Fitch McCoy. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Fitch yeah, McCoy. they call him Fitch Guy throughout the whole Forge? movie. Yeah, they call him Fitch throughout the whole movie, and you're just—I can only assume that Fitch is his last name because, but his name is Fitch McCoy. McCoy. He's but got two last I names. Did, I did like the part where he sits down with this other dude, and he's like, "Can you get a message to the Abu Abu? What are they called? Abu Karaf. Yeah, Abu he, Karaf. that's Abu right. Karaf. He went and he goes and meets with the yeah. actual terrorists, and then they're, and it's yeah, like, but no, and, but the, the guy guys. is like, "Can you get a message to the Abu Karaf for me?" He's like, "No, I'm afraid you're mistaken, Steven Seagal. I can't do that." Sorry, and Steven Seagal gets up and 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 leaves. But you see, from the shot is from behind the other guy. So Steven Seagal's walking out of frame, and you see the guy go like, like, dismiss him. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, <laughs> it was very funny. There's a scene, you know, we talked in the in the Glimmer Man about scenes in movies where like a like the person the the main hero is going to be like, I'm not going to kill you, mm-hmm. and then they pull a gun out of there somewhere, and right. then now I will kill you, but you. That happens again in this fucking movie, and it's with Steven Seagal's buddy who like is behind the whole thing. Not Fitch McCoy. I think it is Fitch McCoy, right? Who, who, that's no, like no, his McCoyd. former McCoy. McCoy. Yeah, the guy that works at the. His at name the is dance. Fitch McCoy. M C Q U O I D. Wow. McCoy. 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 You guys wow. don't know any Fitch McCoys? <laughs> I only know one other Fitch McCoy. That's just wow. There's only one person who could solve this case. Get me McCoy. Fitch McCoy. Fitch McCoy. What? McCoyed? You've been McCoyed. <laughs> Can you spell that? <laughs> yeah. MC. God damn it. So what McCoy, you, right? What saying about, about but anyways, like Fitch. he's got Fitch McCoy, and, this, and he's one of those sniveling guys who the second Steven Seagal comes in for his come up, it drops to his knees and is like, no, man, no, please. I'll do anything. Please, Eddie. Or whatever. <laughs> Look at your heart. And uh, <laughs> and Steven Seagal's like, all right, maybe, maybe it'll be better for you just to live in jail or you sniveling piece of shit or whatever. And then the guy's like, ha-ha, and pulls a gun out of his <laughs> sock or whatever, and he's going to shoot him. And Steven Seagal blows him away. And then he says to his friend, I guess he uh, sealed his own fate. And so there you go. So he even <laughs> has to like talk his way talk his way through it. I've I've lost track of the plot. From but it seemed what, while watching it the other day that like he he Fitch McCoy was behind the whole thing. He's somehow, behind the right? whole thing somehow. 
and he's the one person that actually does know who Jake Hopper is and not to fuck with him. Like it seems initially, it seems like the premise is they were going for the senator's daughter and they had no idea that the other person was dangerous, but he actually did know. I guess maybe he well, didn't did know, he know that, that the it was daughter. the daughter. Yeah, I guess he didn't. Know. I guess it was just a huge coincidence. Uh, yes, that's that seems to happen a lot in movies though, where people kidnap, like the. W- the toughest man on earth's daughter. What are the odds that this person that you kidnapped is the daughter of? You always hope when you kidnap a girl that her dad's just kind of like a weak piece of shit that yeah. doesn't do anything. There's only one but biggest time badass and time in the again, world. Ryan, her dad's time a total and time leader. again, it's a tough dude who's out for revenge. Oh yeah, that, that guy couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. It's good. We're it's good. Fine. It's fine. Oh no, we got another one whose dad is the world's biggest bad. God damn it! There should be a, there should be one of these movies where like. Uh, the you know like the bad guys come to recruit a dude into their sex trafficking organization. He's like, no, nah, I don't want no part of that. Every time you kidnap one of those girls, <laughs> their dad turns about to Liam Neeson or something like that. I don't want any part of that. You turn that off. He kills like three hundred of us, and we still keep doing the thing that we're doing, even though. And you know what? I gotta be honest with you. It's always a little vaguely racist too. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I can't believe how many people Neeson has to kill. Why are the- Why are all of you guys Algerians? Like, have some self respect. You would think in taking like the fourth time he kills one of their men, they're like, just take your daughter back, just take just her just back. Take he has back. to kill it's everyone. It's like, it's like point blank. We're just like, I want my, I want my fourteen thousand dollars. They're like, yeah, it's the you only want your daughter? <laughs> just give him, just give her back. You, he kills like a third of Albania yeah. in that movie. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's what that's what happens in this movie. And then oh, and then at boy. the end, he he wins, and he gets his. He gets his daughter and her friend back, and they both run up. They're still in their bikini tops, and they both run up and they're like, "Daddy!" And he's like, "Ooh!" And you're like, "Ooh!" It's another kind of like disturbing, disturbing image. And the the piece of shit senator dad isn't there. Yeah, yeah where's like, that he guy? Care. He doesn't care. He doesn't he's not involved dad. in trying to resolve this situation. He's so it would have been all fine if it wasn't for Jessica. He's, he's not a good dad. Oh, they get to do another uh, like really fun movie cliche that I really love. Uh, where his friend, who's his, who's his friend, the former, that was a monk, Fitch that, McCoy, McCoy. Oh, oh no, 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 Iron Man, soon T. He's an actual good guy. Uh, he's basically the the second lead in the movie, and and he's they're having a face to face conversation after the end of the action. They are both full bodied, looking at each other. Nothing's obscuring either one of their bodies. And 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 uh, Steven Seagal's like, "Great, we really did it, man! And thank you so much." And he's like, "Hey, you did it. We, you know, I, I was just happy to help. I'm glad that you got your daughter back. Also, I'm not a monk anymore, and." And but but I have been shot in the chest right here. <laughs> I, you might, if you look just a little bit down, you might notice there's a huge gaping bloody wound. And then he's like, "It was worth it. I'm glad to be dead," <laughs> or whatever. And he drops in the in Steven's skull. It's like, "Oh no, man! I'm sorry. I made you renounce your creed the day before you were killed." Damn. Too. He's happy, totally happy with the choices that he made. Yeah. He didn't have a life to go back to anyway. No. He fucked up. <laughs> Incredible. Oh boy, uh, boy. Well, I think we, pr- I think we can say that we basically Gosh. made it through that thing. You and get the idea, folks yeah. listening at home. I don't know why it's called Belly of the Beast, and it seemed like ad- after years of people making fun of his weight, it was very weird that he came out with a title that just <laughs> asked people to. That had not occurred it, to me. I gotta be sure. Like, Seagal is the beast. It's like the title of a Garfield book or something Steven like Seagal that. Steven Seagal is a fat piece of shit. Steven Seagal sits Jeez. around the house. Steven <laughs> Seagal <laughs> chews the fat. Steven Seagal <laughs> out to lunch. <laughs> These fat jokes These are, are actual Garfield book titles, by the way. Amazing. Uh, I just, yeah. Steven Seagal weighs in. Is all I'm yeah. 
<laughs> that uh, should be Garfield. Garfield's Belly of the Beast, his 84th book. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is one at this point. I, I used to Even collect Seagal them. loves that's, lasagna, that's but hates Mondays. That's the one Mondays. where he goes to prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is him talking to Leon, the, the government guy who thinks that he could maybe reign this guy in. But no, of course he can't. But this is after he beats up the entire police department, and Leon's like- While uh, handcuffed. While handcuffed, and Leon's like, hey, come with me and stop causing trouble or whatever. And he goes, Leon, Leon, my daughter's rotting somewhere in a goddamn hole. Do you expect me to get with your program where they're jerking my chain and yours? Mm. It's just a weird way of putting it that I'm sure it wasn't the way it, that it was actually written. I'll say it my way. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of I'll say it my way, and the, the most jarring one is because the, they are trying to use Abu Kar- Karaf oh. as like a distraction, and the Abu Karaf is apparently operating in Thailand, which is weird. And Steven Seagal says it exactly this way. I rewounded it, rewounded. Ugh. I rewound it several it times, and it says this in subtitles. He goes, "I don't know too many Muslims be up there, so something kind of funny." <laughs> what? I don't know too many Muslims be up there, so something kind of funny. Maybe he and just had like a little mini stroke. I think that that's just the way he said it, and and then they were like, "Can we get another take?" And he was like, "No, no, <laughs> no I got it." We're moving on. This is him being mean to a guy, probably a bad guy. Listen, <laughs> why don't you go back to your own genetic puddle, boy? Go for a swim, huh? He calls he calls him boy. <laughs> I think he does call him boy later on. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's hey. in the nightclub, and that guy, that guy goes, uh, "You think you're a tough guy coming in here, don't you?" So yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. This is when him talking to his friend, and I thought that this was very Trump-like. Uh, I mean, I think Steven Seagal is really Trump-like, but this is like the way Trump. Oh, talks. we've got the best. He goes, he goes, you stay a full monk for ten years. Really, really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the best monks here. They're the best monks in the world. They're tremendous, really wonderful monks. Tremendous, tremendous monks, monks. The best monks. <laughs> oh Absolutely the best monks. Uh, I don't know. That's all I got. Really, really wonderful. <laughs> really, really wonderful, this movie. Uh, People, everybody's saying they're wonderful monks. <laughs> everybody's saying it. A, a cop came up to me with tears in his eyes and said it was really, really crying. wonderful. He was crying so Bro hard. man never said. cried in his life. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, ratings. <sighs> I had more fun talking about it than I did watching it, but I For didn't. Sure. I didn't like hate this or anything. I just found it like again. I zoned out. Like I found it very hard to focus on. But it's very stylish. It's more stylishly directed than the other two movies we t- we covered today. Um, I really like that uh, that they sort of milked that low budget. <laughs> just a bizarre film. The magic really threw me for a loop. I, <laughs> I, th- magic. I think that's where I woke up. <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of. I was like, "Oh shit! Wait, I'm back. Where are, where are we? Where they are introduced we? magic on? with like 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. They're like now there's magic, and no one ever discusses that it's going on. Yeah, it's just magic. It's kind of a non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm 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 vacillating between two and a half and three juds. So somewhere in there. You Kay. know, like, yeah. Uh, how many Douglases? I'm going to give it like a Douglas and a half for the sex trafficking, the strip clubs. There's a sex scene. I mean, it's not like smutty, the but it's, gross just, sex it's scene. just gross in principle. Um, and the, the weird transphobia. Right, yeah. Which is, you know, an isolated incident, but still must be must be taken into account. Uh, and I'm going to give it, um, Jesus Christ. I'm going to give it <laughs> 10 out of 10. Monks abandoning their creed, <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. He dies shortly it's thereafter. Fine. But he he was happy to do it. Uh, I'm gonna give it two and a half 
just because like when it this reminds me of a PM Entertainment movie. Where like when the action no kicks, car slipping it, though no car well like PM is more of like a car action but like PM movies are such cheapo movies but then when the action kicks in you're like damn because they like, they really care about they're like, we are going to deliver these things yeah. if anything else happens to be good in the movie fine but like that's not that's neither here nor there we are going to do a car flipping over another car and this and that and and that's what it's like and I and I appreciate that I like action movies. Uh, I'm going to give it one and a half Douglases for the things mentioned. I mean, it was very upsetting when the sex scene happened, but it was merciful that, like, it was just sort of like, oh, it's basically just a people with their clothes lying on each other. It could have been much, much worse. Um, and I'm going to give it one uh, precinct that gets beaten up by Steven Seagal. <laughs> one entire precinct beaten up. <laughs> oh, boy, you guys. I'm giving this one Judd. Yeah. I couldn't. I simply, I simply could not. <laughs> I don't know what happened in this movie. <laughs> I am. I was bored and confused. If a, if a movie simply can't register in your brain, I mean, you can't it, give it, it was a high the, rating. This movie was turned away at the door of my brain. Wow. <laughs> I could not get in. Uh, I'm going to give it two Douglases for the stuff mentioned, plus the attempted rape in the prison for the kidnapped girls. Oh, yeah. And... Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 unexpected uses of magic as a plot device. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, I think I'll go three and a half Judds. Oh, wow. Um, oh, this is all over the map. It's, it's not... It's not clearly not a well-constructed story <laughs> of any kind, but it's like... I think it's my favorite of the straight-to-video Seagal movies, and it kind of exemplifies the craziest of them and like uh, and so many goofy weird things but also some good action stuff because of ching su tong and just the weird novelty of of ching su tong a little bit of what he does with Mm -hmm. the normal weird cigar stuff and then um two judds for the two douglases oh sorry two douglases (laughs) for the sex scene because it's uncomfortable you sure don't want to see it Nobody you wants hate to that. See it. No, it doesn't seem like they're into it either. <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, but anyway, for that, and then uh, one bottle of water stolen from a refrigerator <laughs> during, <laughs> during a cat burglary. All right. Well, He's we did it. We oh did it. man. Uh, I had a blast, though. I really liked this Hard to Kill. Episode. Glimmer Man was fun. This was my intro to Steven Seagal and Seagalology you know 101 for you. It's perfect. And I couldn't have asked for a better guest for the podcast yeah. in my I'm initiation. So glad I was really hoping you would at least like Hard to Kill, so I'm very yeah, happy to hear that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, about, um, what's the William Forsyth one? Out for Justice. Out for, out justice. for justice. should the Out for Justice and Mark for Death, two well, big Mark ones. Mark for Death, that's a fun one. Yeah. Very racist film. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. But it does have one of my favorite villain names of all time. Screwface. 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 Yeah. Nice. Good thing they weren't triplets. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Um, if you guys liked hearing us talk about Steven Seagal, you should check out Vern's book. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's just called Seagology. Called Seagology: A Study of the Ass-Kicking Films of Steven Seagal. Yeah. And it's out of print, but it's easy to find still anyway. I will get no money from it, but I'm proud of the book, so I want you to read it anyway. Yeah. Mm. It's a great, great book. That's uh, one of those books that um, that I cried laughing when I was reading, and uh, and if you like cry laughing, 
which you should. It's fun. I only like laugh crying. Yeah. And it, oh, no. I am. I'm glad. I'm very happy to hear that. I've tried to make it funny, but also I sincerely love his movies, and yeah. it's yeah. Trying. It's not trying to be like a look how bad these movies are thing. It's trying to really say like what if we take this body of work and seriously analyze it. Then what do we get? What do we find? Yeah. yeah. If you're f- familiar with Vern's writing, uh, he's a funny writer. He's not just dunking on the stuff no, all no. the time. But that's not what you do at all. You just happen to be. You just happen to be funny. Unless it's <laughs> warranted, though. When you want to dunk on something, you're very capable of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to plug anything else while you're on? Uh, yeah, I wrote a horror novel, horror action novel called Worm on a Hook, which I'm. That's my most recent book, and I'm very proud of that one too awesome yeah uh, and your website and yeah and i review movies on outlawvern.com and i'm in the middle of the films of ronnie Yu. i'm almost done with that reviewing every movie ever by ronnie Yu. what are you up How, to at this point uh well there's one week left mm-hmm. i just did freddy <coughs> versus jason okay so you have the chuckies left right no that was before oh that was so before the next, the next one that'll go up is Fearless, and so this is just oh, like yeah. the end of his career. So it's like, if you don't know who he is, he's a Hong Kong director who did Bride with White Hair, and I'm just fascinated with how do you come from being this director of beautiful Hong Kong movies to being the guy that does Bride of Chucky and Freddy vs. Jason? Bride of Chucky is a beautiful movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're also great. No, I mean, yeah, no, that's not in a negative <laughs> yeah, yeah. way. I love those movies, and <clears throat> I'm just fascinated with them. So anyway, I review movies on outlover.com. Awesome. Uh, so what are we doing next time? This is interesting. All right, well, so I'm proposing an experiment. Yes. So this first episode will be like sort of the determining factor of whether or not we continue to do this. So I want to do I want to get seriously into the 90s, late 80s and 90s direct-to-video Skinamax thrillers. We talked about doing these at the very beginning. The very beginning, of this and it just never has happened. But I would like to do many episodes because there's a lot out there. So we're going to be waiting on uh, to see how, what you, what you, the listener, you, the think, listener of, do, think if, of this. If the if the if the listenership tanks, we're going to stop here or maybe spread them out a little bit. Yeah. And if it skyrockets, but if, it's doing, if we do, or we're going to do summer of smut. We're going to do six or so episodes of this. I want to do multiple trilogies. I want to do a whole Shannon Tweed episode, stuff like that. But the litmus test, the test case, is going to be the next episode where we do. All three of the original Night Eyes trilogy. Hot, hot, hot. I the have Buster no, Poindexter special. I have no idea what to expect. Don't know what these are, and uh, this should be interesting. I need to expect some boobs. boobies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> boobs? And for them probably not to be all that good. Some but detective stuff. This they have was a detective a huge... agency, the Night Eyes detective agency. You can oh, get swag cool. with that's it. Right. <gasps> that's right. Love some swag. These were, in their way, huge at the time, this is a legit franchise of straight-to-video stuff. I wouldn't be—you might be shocked. I don't know what the number is, but I, these movies probably made quite a bit of money. Oh yeah. Uh, huh. Now, I have not seen any of these movies in a very, very long time, but I promise you, I saw them when I was a kid. Oh on yeah. On late-night cable. I and remember. I am. What I am excited for is the possibility that I will throw on one of these movies and go like, "Oh, I remember this one." Nice. You know, kind of like the way you like watch an old episode of like the Twilight Zone or something that you haven't seen in twenty years. And you're like, but it oh, still right. lives. Like this is the in one where brain. the guy does that. This is you the know? one where the people fuck. Yeah, right. Amazing. Or like the kind of thing where where like you've had a memory of a scene in your of a movie in your you head, but you can't from. remember where yeah, the what movie was that. from, and it's gonna be like, oh, it was Animal Instinct two. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Love it. So I'm hoping for that, and I'm hoping people enjoy it enough because I really want to get into I want to get into this stuff, and also because. I want to have like a consistent road 
to examine these for a, a long period of time. I want to live there for a little while. Yeah. I'm excited for this podcast to get a little bit of a woman's perspective on these 100% steamy DTV Skinamax movies. Mm. I'll probably maybe maybe I'll love them. Who knows? Oh, I have literally I think that no you idea. Will. I might. I do love a lot of sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> As evidenced by your appearance on this show. <laughs> I look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, All that right. not that kind of appearance. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> That didn't land. We're going no. out on that. We did it, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks no. for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you Join for joining Patreon. us, Vern. Thank you. Join the Patreon. Subscribe. Five stars only, please, on iTunes. Join my uh, Patreon. Twitter? Also. Yeah. Join Join Vern's Patreon as well. We might be all on Blue Sky by the time this comes oh, out. Oh, is that a new Patreon? I'm thing. on the waiting list. No, no. It's the guy who invented Twitter started a new Twitter. Yeah. Did you see how Elon Musk was like, stop picking on me or I'll just buy that one too? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so cool. He's anyway. the greatest genius of our generation. Till then. He's the most unstoppable son of a bitch. He's the most unstoppable son of a bitch to ever live. <laughs> Boom. That's it. We can't do any better than All that. Right. We're going out on that. Till next time, the suspense is killing us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.